Yo, what? Oh, yeah. Yo, that's fucking sick. Oh, yeah. When did that get there? Uh, Christmas? Yeah, Liv got it for me. That's fucking awesome. Surprised you guys haven't DM'd about it yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's fucking sweet. Apparently it was $600 from China, which means God only knows how much it would have been in a I in thought America. that. I'm looking in at, America. I'm surprised it doesn't have a little wing ding on it somewhere. Yeah, it probably does. They didn't fuck up and put it like that ampersand could have been a could have been a little house or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother. I, I thought that was like a thousand dollar purchase. I mean, I, I would have thought that a neon sign was like a cup. Maybe I would have thought, honestly, 150. I didn't like 150 how it, bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like, sounds right. That's like what, uh, you know, like a bar neon sign. They're probably not that expensive. I guess when you get custom made, because most neon signs are just like you get like a Budweiser one. Yeah. And they sent it to you. Or the uh, the lady with the two beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, St. Paul. Mulvaney, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like having Vaney in the name of a trans person. It's kind of fun. I, uh, you know, TBH, I kind of think, like, for I, I, I've, I've thought a lot about this Dylan Mulvaney thing. We, we talked about it before the podcast. I thought a lot about it. And I think that... Uh, my conclusion is that it's I feel like if you're not going to get the operation, you should at least spring for not being named Dylan anymore. Like you got to do something. Yeah. You know, it's like at a certain point, it's like, like isn't Dylan kind of like a I feel like that's kind of a neutral name, right? It's not exactly like I don't, know, I don't think I've ever met a girl Sam. named Dylan. Yeah, San- Dylan's a pretty decisively man name. Yeah. And I feel like I, I kind of need him to commit a little bit more. Her. Her. Is it him. Is Her. Dylan Mulvaney even like transgendered or just a like a drag queen? Well, that's the question. I got no clue. <laughs> I think technically... I see. I this is. I think this is done purposefully. It's impossible to even talk about this because I don't even know what pronouns to use. I, I, yeah. I want to say she, but there's something in my. I'm. I'm making the point right now that I don't. Yeah. I don't fully. I can't bring myself to do it because it's like, you haven't. Aside from like putting on a dress and so you haven't like you haven't gone for it. You know, like I need you to go for it. You know, <laughs> if I'm gonna like change my whole ideals about gender and society, I need you to at least not be dylan anymore it would be like if i it would literally be like if i uh transitioned and my name was still jimmy yeah it's like dude can you not be like something like jane or something you can't I mean, what if I you mean, but what if you went with demetrius that's a very gender neutral name that too. is the most masculine <laughs> name <laughs> that's why i got that as the the real name my parents were like maybe just one day in case he decides yeah you know? go back. what if you what if you like hate your body but you love your name like I'm not a boy, but I am Dylan. It's just not an. I don't know, man. It, it's like like we were talking about the Bud Light thing, and like I I I'm proud of myself, and I mean this. I am proud of myself because every now and then I always stop myself and go, "Hey, are you like?" I have such an issue when people like buy into like whatever the narrative is at the moment, and um, but the Dylan Mulvaney thing was a thing that I was just kind of like, now I. I can totally see that this is like the right wing equivalent of like the outrage. And uh, 
I didn't ever really allow myself to go off on that. So you you're know? saying you're saying Dylan Mulvaney is the rights George Floyd. <laughs> it's <No>. like <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> no, I'm saying Dylan Mulvaney is like 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 I think the right is learning how to use outrage to their advantage. Because I think I think that the left has been really good at it. Oh yeah, and the right, and this is recent because the thing you gotta, uh, the thing that I've noticed is that 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 it does seem to swing both ways. Because back in the '90s, it was the right that was, oh my god, these yeah. rap albums Parental are just advisor. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and so at the time, the liberals were the like like when like when I was growing up. The guys that I looked up to as like the free speech, like fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want, I'm gonna say what I want, I'm gonna joke about what I want. They were the liberals. Yeah. And now it's like now it's not that. And so I think for people of our generation, it's kind of like weird because a lot of people who see themselves as liberals are talking about, yeah, you were a liberal like in the nineties, I would be a liberal guy. Yeah. But I don't think people would consider me a liberal guy now. Even though I feel like I kind of think the same way that a 90s democrat would have thought you know just fucking do whatever dude just well, don't I mean like me the, the parental advisory stuff that was uh al gore's wife right i thought it was i thought that was more well, tipper gore that was the whole thing it that could be true and then he's a democrat so she's probably a democrat maybe maybe mm. maybe even then see i don't know like i i feel like i've just I feel kind like of, all politicians were stupid as kids because like it was always like I think it was even Hillary Clinton going after like Mortal Kombat and Uh-oh. shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think just generally everyone was more maybe I was gonna say more touchy back then. But there's no fucking way people were more touchy back then than now. I mean, dude, I watched Idiocracy the other day. Like speaking the, of Crocs, that was '06, and the amount of jokes that they just make like it was '06. Yeah, 2006, Whoa. and Justin Long. Luke Wilson, uh, Rita, what's her face? Like they're in this fucking movie and like a bunch of big names and it's this mainstream comedy and like Justin Long is the doctor in Idiocracy and he's like, yeah, so basically your problem is you talk like a fag and your shit's all retarded. And that's like a joke. And it's like, dude, that whole sentence, you couldn't even imagine that. That was that was not that long ago. Right. You know, so it's kind of hard to be like, are people more touchy? Were people more touchy then? It's kind of like, I don't know. Maybe in the 90s they were. I don't know. But that uh, seemed to be a big... Uh, I don't think anybody was that touchy in the 90s. I think it was just the old people. It's always old people. But now the young people are... I was like, I saw a Facebook post from myself from like 2011 that said something along the lines of like, everybody says this generation's PC, but like I don't see it. Like uh-huh. Everybody I'm around. It's, but then like five years later, you it was see like, it. oh no, it's there. Yeah, and I wonder... Is it, do you think it is our generation or do you think it's the young? I feel like it's our generation. I feel like our generation is the super PC one. Yeah, it's, yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at like these like TikTok kids and like the young YouTubers and shit, they're like wild as fuck. Yeah. It's, like all their videos is like, let's get white people to say that N word and laugh at it. And like, it's a natural, it is, it is a, another example of the pen. I, reg- I don't like the fact that my generation is like, we're millennials. You're 27, mm-hmm. eight, 28. We're going both 30 on, going on 29. So we're millennials mm-hmm. and like our generation is clearly the ones I always say about millennials. We're the last generation to buy the lie. 
You know, I think we're the last generation to really believe that like, you got to go to college, you got to do this, you got to do that. Then you, like, we were the last generation to believe in the American dream. And Gen Z has this much more kind of like nihilistic, like, fuck it, who cares type attitude. And, uh, I get embarrassed for the fact that I'm a millennial because I'm like, damn, that's kind of always, I feel like I, I relate more to you guys a little bit. Yeah, we you know? started out like that. Maybe that's just a matter of being younger. Maybe just every generation when you're in your early 20s, teenage years, you're just kind of like, fuck it. Well, but yeah, you, but at, you soften up when you get older. At the same time, I feel like even when we were in like high school and college, like the whole, you got to go to college, you got to do that. I feel like that was such a thing even then. You know, yeah. where I didn't mm -hmm. even feel like I related to people my own age in that. You know, I felt like I was constantly having, I felt like I was constantly defending my decision to not, you know, do, it, yeah. to not do it, even when we were kids, you mm -hmm. know? So I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that you could say about Gen Z, uh, but they are definitely like the difference is, is millennials grew up, we were kids in the 90s when the man was the right. And, then we kind of took it as like, okay, so if you want to fight against the man, you have to be like the opposite of that. You have to be like progressive and blah, 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 blah. And the Gen Z kids are growing up in a generation where the man has switched and it switches all the time. And in this current state, I do think that the man, like the establishment, the established uh, socially acceptable opinions to have uh, is the left. And so I think they're growing up in that era and they're going like, they're kind of having that same rebellion against that that we had against the right. So it's this weird kind of shift. And I don't know if that's every generation um, or if it's every like fucking 20 years or whatever, but I've seen it. And that's like, a generation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That's how you can define a generation, I guess, at that point. Uh, by the way, live from the studio, I'm Jimmy Seleski. Merrick Glazer. We're here with... Long time, our, our, our most frequent returning guest. Mm -hmm. Number one. Came on specifically tonight to juice the numbers back up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Got what, what episode number is this? This is episode... Episode 309. This is probably, it's probably the longest be in between episodes I haven't been in. That's true. <laughs> you haven't. Usually it's like every 10. Well, the like thing I, is... 286, I think, was the last one I was on. Yeah. You went, Not you, too long ago. Almost. I think you're maybe March. You were on so often, 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 uh, back in the Dizzy. And when I talk about back in the day, I'm talking like a few months ago. You were on so, <laughs> yeah. you were on so often that I stopped putting your name as like a feature <laughs> in like, the uh, podcast. Oh, I was third like, mic. Yeah, it's like it's just him, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here for Pride Month. Uh, yeah, this is your first gay guest. <laughs> exactly. I uh, I've kissed two men this week. Uh, so nice. Yeah, that's up from last year. I thought you only, you only got I, one down last year. Yeah, right? I kissed one last year. Buddy was black, so that's like at least four. That's a couple points. Yeah, yeah it's like four regular guys, four normal guys, <laughs> four normal guys. <laughs> you kiss four normal people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I went I went to a fucking um, uh, yesterday. I was uh, Bobby Ray's daughter. We all play basketball on Sundays. I didn't want to play yesterday. He brought his daughter, so I took Otis, and I was hanging out with her. And like we went in the woods in Wyman Park, and we're like down at the creek and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I like I realized like I can't just be around kids. 
Like, even if my dog's there, like, people would, like, walk by and be like, is everything okay down there? And yeah. Like, well, also, it was probably just because no, it was a little black girl. <laughs> well, she's half <laughs> she's half black. <laughs> what are you doing with that yeah. girl down there? I'm 50% concerned right now, <laughs> sir. Yeah, I'm concerned about her white half, her black half, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm surprised she's even in the water, honestly. But <laughs> that's probably why she's only up to her waist. I'm surprised half her isn't sinking currently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a big issue. Just being a, an adult man, I kind of wonder if um, like uh, today I was looking at my 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 body, and I <laughs> I noticed a couple uh, anomalies. Like I noticed like there seems to be this like uh, like a, a, the beginnings of a mole. It's so small that you oh, would yeah. never notice, but yeah. later, you know, you just see like little like. Uh, blemishes yeah, it's like a skin. pimple but it don't pop it never goes away it's been there for like two years at this point and mm-hmm. i've kind of just been keeping my eye on it from time to time mm-hmm. and just kind of thinking about how like as you get older you start like apparently your body always has cancer and it's just a matter of your immune system just being able to fight it off and then at some point uh the cancer wins right. i mean like when you get older your immune system goes down and like at a certain point, just like after trial and error, your body's constantly trying to kill you. Your body's constantly like skin cancer, put it out there, lung cancer. Your body's like, nope, not today. Not today, brother. And then one day and you're like your late 60s, your body's just like, all right, let him in. Let him in. <laughs> We're done. We're done. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, so even if this is like my body just throwing another cancer against the wall, I was like... It, there's definitely like a, a hormone that when a woman has a baby, uh, like apparently like the you the the serotonin dose that she gets when like she sees her baby laughing is like comparable to like some of our strongest drugs. Like it's ingrained in your body to like that's how your body is programmed to just like care about your kids. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, I was like, is it a thing for men that there is a when you've reproduced that your body goes like all right we've done our job and now it's just like a matter of just getting out clean you know like i wonder if like my body is like trying to get cancer but it's like no dude he hasn't had kids yet yeah he hasn't yeah he hasn't done it yet you know it's got to be something like that you know because i would imagine that a lot of your everything changes like it's not nothing when you're become a father you know i i even my most mundane interactions the way i talk to people i feel like would be different if i had a kid like when i i had some kind of like money thing with one of the places i play over the weekend and uh just the way they were describing like their side of things i it kind of brought me back to when i was like 21 or 20 just starting out and um just kind of like acquiescing just kind of being like oh well i get it yeah whatever Mm. but then there was a part of me now that i've been doing it for a while i pushed back and i was like no like i I need this. Yeah, I have I'm cancer. Now. I have cancer. I have cancer. I have I cancer. Do you see this shit? I have cancer. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this. I need that extra 50 bucks. <laughs> no, but it's like, and, and then I thought, I was like, okay, so right now I'm a 30-year-old man, and I'm getting to the point where like I can actually negotiate with people because yeah. now I'm in a le- legitimate spot where I could be like, look, if you don't want to pay me this amount, there's seven other places that will. This isn't a matter of like, I want to keep playing here, but I don't need to keep playing. I wouldn't say that, but that's the standpoint that I'm going at it from the, like you have a lot more freedom to say what's up 
yeah. when you don't need that thing. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, dude, imagine if I had a kid. Like, if I had a kid, I feel like when it comes to money, I'm like, look, man, I got I got fucking kids. Mm-hmm. I, I got mean, fucking kids. Like, I, I don't do this for fun. Like, you, you're asking me to stay an extra hour and saying we'll get you a couple beers. I can't feed my kids with beer. Mm-hmm. I don't pay my rent with beer. Yeah, I'm not hired to drink. I'm not paid in Miller Lite. You know? And I feel like once you have kids, it's just like, you can just fucking say, sh- like, hey, man, I got kids. Yeah. You know? I can't say that. I'm a 30-year-old man. I'm like, look, man, I got... I live with my brother. I yeah. got a brother I got to support. <laughs> I, I have a white rapper brother. Do you understand? <laughs> it's just a weird thing. And I feel like that that has has to flow into all aspects or even your body knows. Like dad strength. Well, I think yeah. that's a real thing. It's 100% mm. real. I mean, but that also like probably just comes from picking up a kid 27 times a day or whatever the fuck. Yeah, perhaps. But maybe. But also, like, I mean, after that goes away, like, that's like muscle retention. Like, if you work out and then you stop working out for like six months, you lose that muscle. But dads keep that dad strength forever. Yeah. Like, my dad is still as strong as he was when he was picking me up all the time. You dads know? keep the dad strength. You're, I think that's another thing. I think dads keep dad strength until, uh, like, eventually you're going to be able to beat your dad's ass. Mm-hmm. But I think that God planned it so that you're not able to beat your dad's ass until you're kind of straightened out a little bit. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think there's a reason why most dads could still beat their 18-year-old son's ass. Because mm-hmm. you would think about it, you're like, that's a senior in high school, like, he's hit puberty, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I, I would wager that if you were to put 90% of dads against their 18-year-old son, 90% of dads are winning that fight. Now, I knew a couple of kids growing up that that wasn't the case. They also kind of flew off the handle. Yeah, you get some anomalies. Yeah. But I think that the programming is like you gotta and it's also the same thing it's like even with um when i moved back with my parents when i was 26 for a for a a bit i did like a seven month bit at my mom's basement uh after i uh after i was broken up with and uh just the vibe of being in the house talking to my dad felt so unnatural it felt so strange to have him yelling at me when I was also a man, but you still have that baseline like deference to your father, um, where like I still like had to, I was still his son, so I still had to like kind of be the bitch. Like yeah. there's no other person that I would allow to talk to me like that without being like, what the fuck, dude? And like it just felt wrong. And it's like, oh, this is your body. Like y- these things, like society, like moving out at a certain age, like that's already kind of ingrained in you, I feel like. I feel like your body just instinctively, you're like, dude, like there's a certain point when you can handle somebody yelling at you. That's another man. And at a certain point, your body goes, no, dude, you have to now be the guy yelling at people. Mm. This is, we're passing the baton. You have to go emotionally abuse a child for 18 years now. <laughs> this is your job now, you know? Yeah. I, I can't wait to have a kid. I, I think know. it'll be fun. I, I, I used to be terrified of it. And now I think that I'm kind of, there was a time in my life when if, uh, the girl that I was intimate with told me she was pregnant. I would have been horrified. Mm. I think I'd be horrified now, but there's almost like this other thing that's weighing on me. Where it's like, okay, dude, like you're a little too old to be horrified at the prospect of having a kid. Like it's okay if you're not ready yet, but like the idea of if you were to somehow become a father at the amazingly young age of 30 years old. <laughs> this is not exactly, you're not exactly on teen mom. 
You yeah. know, like you're, you're like this is a normal time to have a kid. Yeah, probably the average age. Yeah. yeah, the exact average. And if you find a normal thing happening in your life at the appropriate time to be horrifying, then maybe that says more about you than the fucking situation. Yeah. Like I would, I would be embarrassed to admit that I'm horrified at 30 years old. I couldn't even imagine talking to like a 26 year old who has two kids and being like, "Dude, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Oh. I just found out my girlfriend's pregnant, <laughs> and I'm fucking horrified." He's like, "Dude, this is what are you? What did you think you're doing out here?" You're just yeah. here to fucking, I don't know. At a certain point, it's just, like, embarrassing. Uh, the only thing that, like, worries me about having kids is, like, uh, I feel like if you're going to, like, I want my kid to be a fucking, I'm, I'm sure everybody feels like this in one way or another. I want my kid to be, like, a professional athlete. Nice. <laughs> but it's, nice. like, you got to get, like, you got to have a kid. The girl's got to be, like, 17 for you to have that that baby that's going to be ready to <laughs> fucking take on LeBron James. Yeah, we might have missed that window. We're, yeah. we're approaching the window where our babies have a much higher chance of just being autistic. Yeah, or an accountant. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. sucks. And my problem is I like older women, so like my odds are my baby might have a little... A little, little bit of the little, thing. A little, little stank stanky on it. leg. Yeah. <laughs> stanky leg, stanky it brain. Runs in, it runs, apparently it runs in your gene pool a little bit too, right? A little bit? Oh yeah, my kids are totally going to be autistic. There's mm. no... If ands or buts about it, I mean, I feel like we should just make up a myth that, that just follows the mother's side, kind of like how they do with balding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if Walt doesn't follow like the, the mom's wife side, to, the wife's father has to pay for a wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my favorite myth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a myth though, or is that? I don't know. That's I, my favorite I social see it in custom. Movies, yeah. Yeah, it should be. It should be that way. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, very like going back to the days of like, you know trying to get your daughter in with a good family by giving them livestock. Oh, yeah. totally. Plus, dude. the husband's going to have to pay for everything for her for the rest of the, her life. That's true, dude. Mm. That's like, true. I'm on the fucking ballot for every day after this wedding, mm-hmm. dude. Just spot it's me. Me. <laughs> spot me 30 grand this one time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Let me get a fucking DJ and, and a couple hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, you never have to get her a present. Yeah, and I'll take Ever care of again. Her. Just one big party. Yeah, man. Dad strength. I... It, I did want to talk to you a little bit about this because uh, this is what really inspired me to get you on. Okay. Um, we, uh, first of all, uh, shouts out to the, tra- the Trap podcast. R. Shouts R. out. R.I.P. Sig, are you officially tossing R.I.P. on it? Is yeah. it over? It's done? Yeah, I think so. Mm. You think so? I think so. What happened with that? What would you... Uh, Just, I like, I just fucking like working so much, man. And then also, I don't know, like, it, it just, we just kind of, I mean, we made it to like a hundred and some episodes. That's twice we've made it to like a hundred episodes and then just given up. So, I mean, it's RIP for now. I didn't realize yeah. that you had done a hundred episodes prior to. It might not have been a hundred, but it was a lot. It was significant. I do yeah. remember you guys had a lot of a backlog. Because it was, it was 2014 to 2015. So it was probably somewhere in the mm-hmm. over 35 yeah anywhere 35 to 100 i don't know did you just like um because i know that you were do you still have uh machinations to move to new york soon oh yeah okay yeah yeah as soon as i can i mean i'm i i started getting subcontracting work and stuff so i'm now making more money and nice i have to move again i have to move what were you before a sub subcontractor no i was just doing my own thing now I'm taking work from other companies. So you were a contractor before. Yeah, I was just a regular contractor. And now you're making more money now as a like subcontractor. A yeah, pretty much vendor, subcontractor. Like there's this other company. And they're trying to they don't, they want me to do take on more work for them, but it's more than I'm making. 
doing my shit, but uh, it's just like I have to pay taxes on this stuff. So. Is it Windows yeah. stuff still? Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like last month I made like, I got my check. It was like $4,800 for, Fuck yeah. I think I worked nine days. Fuck yeah. So now you so. can actually afford the $30 a week. Yes. As opposed to me banning <laughs> you over the barrel yeah. every fucking <laughs> week. Seeing like six like requests in Cash App <laughs> from Jimmy. It's like it starts out as for the podcast, and it's like question mark, question mark, question mark. And it's like, yo, it's only thirty dollars. <laughs> First of all, let's be fair. I never hounded you that much. No, you didn't. You didn't. And it was Venmo. And it was. <laughs> oh, it was Cash App. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just gonna say most of my uh, late payments do tend to happen on Cash App. That, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Not gonna say anything about that. There's a certain type of person that uses seems cash to be the more common. Not a lot of my Venmo payments are overdue. I can't even pay on Venmo. I can only accept pay on Venmo. Hmm. That's convenient. Yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> the, it's, I don't know. Sorry, you can people. You can only pay me thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things uh, where like you have to like sign in your bank account and all that and like. Like when you do when you do one of those apps, you like to sign in. They'll like send you. It'll be like tw- two things of like fifteen cents, uh-huh. and then you have to send it back. And that's how they know it's right. And I just mm-hmm. never sent it, but I was like, "Sweet, thirty cents." <laughs> I'm keeping. You received money. the fifteen cents, but you never sent back the other ones. So like, I guess this guy can only make money. Yeah, he can't like, lose money. <laughs> Venmo, you fucked up. I just got a free fifteen cents from you. Sorry, bro. My bank account is one way. Yeah. It's a one way bank <laughs> account. I don't know if you heard about such a thing. Yeah, I, I've been denied for like five credit cards in the past like two months. Really? Yeah, I was trying to get credit cards just to build my credit back up because buying that car fucked my credit up. Isn't that the mm. funkiest fucking thing, dude? Mm-hmm. That like that—that's another myth. Um, well, it's not a myth; it's a reality that I wish was a myth. Which is like, if you're not constantly in debt, people are like credit card companies and yeah, creditors are like. They're like, dude, this guy isn't perpetually in debt. This is a major risk for us. I want a guy who's constantly on the chopping block Mm -hmm. for some amount of money at some time. You know, I I I was a ghost for a while. Huh? Weird. I was doing uh, apartment applications and the like renter tried to run a credit check on me and they're like i literally can't find you sick like (laughs) where where do you live is this the right address is this the right spelling and i'm like promise you i'm alive i'm alive (laughs) i have money to spend your credit score is undefined yeah i had one credit card that was like for five hundred dollars and i never used it i made a habit of using my credit card for everything and then paying it off in full at the end of every month. And that's then, what I want to do, you know? And then, and then like I had a rewards card. So basically every $100 that I spent, I got a point or maybe it was $10 or something like that. No, it was every dollar I spent, I got a point, but then you would need like a thousand points to be able to cash in on a hundred dollars rewards. So it's basically like I got 1% cash back. Like, for every dollar I spent, I would get one cent back in rewards. And I was like, well, I'm kind of fucking over the credit card company right now because I'm always going to pay this shit on time. Mm -hmm. And then winter happened, and all my gigs went away. And then all of a sudden, I was just looking at my credit card saying, being like, how much of this can I pay? (laughs) And then paying that. And then just you just see that interest every fucking month. $60 here. How much interest is your credit card? I feel like they purposely don't want you to know. Yeah. I have to like call the president to find out my rate. (laughs) It's insane. It's like the numbers, the thing that doesn't make sense is, and this is a talking about myths. This is one of the biggest 
hoaxes, in my opinion, on society is, and you can watch a lot of black Israelite content on this too, compound interest. It is such a weird concept, this idea that I owe you $1,000 and then you go, okay, I'm not just going to charge you 10% interest. I'm instead going to charge you 1% interest every month or so until you pay it back, at which point now you're paying interest on the interest. So you originally gave me $1,000. And then as in exchange, you said, well, I want 10% of that money I lent you back. Instead, they're going, okay, I gave you $1,000 and then I charged you interest and now it's $1,010 and now I'm charging you interest on that. And then that's $1,021 and now I'm charging you interest on that. And now I'm paying interest on interest. Yeah, money that's not even real. It's not even real. This is just I'm paying interest on the money that you said I owe you. When all you really gave me was 1000 bucks. You didn't give me 1010 That's just... And, and the and that was I don't want to get too <laughs> deep with it, but the more often you compound interest, like you may okay, so let's say if I were to charge you uh if you if I lent you a thousand dollars and I offered you the deal of ten percent uh every twelve months, every year, or five percent every six months, or two and a half percent every three months. Which would be the better deal? I don't know, two and a half percent every three months, right? No. No? No, because the reality is, is that if I am charging you 10% interest every 12 months, that's 10% on the original amount. Versus if I split that up four times over the year, two and a half percent every quarter, I'm now getting two and a half percent the first one, and then I'm getting two and a half percent of that two and a half percent, and then two and a half percent of that, and then two and a half percent of that, which winds up being more like fucking thirteen 40, or fourteen yeah. percent after all is said and done. So what credit card companies do is they basically compound interest like every fucking month, yep. as opposed to uh, a year. And so you're looking at the lower interest rate, going like, if they were to tell you, which is why that law was passed, why they have to start advertising as APR, which is annual percentage rate, which is just a basically to give you an idea of how much you wind up paying at the mm-hmm. end of the year. If you have a credit card that's 20% annual percentage rate, in reality, that means you're being charged at about 2% every month or less, maybe 1% a month. But after 1% a month, it winds up being you're paying 20% on that original thing. Right. That's such a weird thing that they just get away with. Like when you're doing a mortgage, it's like, if you really think about it, it's like they'll calculate the mortgage. And you look at these mortgages like you buy a house in Fed Hill if you're an idiot and it's $500,000 for a townhome. And they wind, and then if you look at how much you wind up paying after the end of that 30 years, it's like triple the amount. Right. Versus they just said, oh, here's the $500,000 loan, 10% interest. We make 50000 That's pretty sweet. No, we want to make a million mm-hmm. off your $500,000 loan. Mm-hmm. You have to pay us in interest twice as much as the value of this house. Yeah, that's what they're doing to me with my car. Mm. My car was like 15000 and then like after the loan, like I put ten down. And then after the loan and everything, the car is going to end up being like thirty thousand. So it's they're making double the the bank is making fifteen thousand as well as the fucking uh, car dealership. But I'm gonna pay that shit off before the interest hits. 
Oh, they hate much. when you do that. Yeah. They want you to pay the minimum so bad. Mm-hmm. They want it so bad. They're mm-hmm. just like, no, come on, just pay us 100. You don't want yeah. to paying triple the fucking amount. Yeah, all my parlay winnings from last week. I just put five grand into Oh, my, we're going to get into parlays. I, I put, just want to say. I put five grand into my car, so now I only have uh, six grand left to pay on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to say, uh, before we get into real money, let's just let close out. My, let me put my crown on. Fucking <laughs> fake money. When they give you that loan, that money... Uh, it's not real money. Like when you get a loan from a bank, they just go like, okay, here's like, if I go to the bank for like a car loan for like $20,000, they just put in your account $20,000. It's just like a number on a computer. Mm-hmm. They don't, but they still have that $20,000 to loan out to somebody else too. So we tend to think of it as like, oh, they gave me the money. And then now that money is with me, but it's like, no, they didn't give you the money. They just gave you like a number and then you use that number and they continue to still have that amount of money that they're still operating off of. And they're operating off the idea that you're going to pay that back, which is why the fucking housing market collapsed because it's not even real money. Like when a bank would give out a loan for a $400,000 mortgage, they're not taking $400,000 out of their fucking vault and putting it in your bank's vault. They're just going, okay, uh, yeah, your $400,000 loan, you owe us uh, $1.2 million in, in 30 years. So we're going to get that for sure. Well, I mean, isn't the bank technically paying the people that you're buying the house from? Yeah, but they're not even, like, they're putting, like, the. I guess what I'm saying is the whole, I didn't want to get too deep into this because I don't, I might paint me out to be a fucking idiot. But the way I understand it is there is what's called fractional reserve. We were watching videos about this before. Fractional reserve banking and what that is is um there's a rule in banks that says that for whatever amount of money you have in the that you're loaning out you only actually have to have 10 percent of that on hand at any point hmm. so if i have a hundred dollars in actual cash money i could loan out a thousand dollars in fake money hmm. you know and then what happens is I give you that $1,000 loan. So I put that $1,000 loan in your hands when I only had 100 Like if, if you come to me, okay, let me put it this way. I'll try to make this as simple as possible because it's easy to get lost in the weeds. If I go into my bank with a $1,000 check and I deposit it into my checking account, my checking account later that day will say $1,000, right? Now, the bank, if you go to that same bank and go, hey, I need a, uh, a $900 loan. Mm-hmm. They go, sure, yeah. Now you they put $900 in your checking account. Do I have 900 less in my checking account? Mm-hmm. No, I still have that $1,000. And now you have $900. Where did that 900 come from? Because mm-hmm. if I write a check for $900 out of my bank account, it's still there. It's not like they go, oh, well, he's not going to fucking come. So, so okay, I look at my checking account the next day, and now there's only 100 and they go, yeah, we gave it to that guy. That'd be funny as shit if that's how it actually worked, though. <laughs> it would be funny as shit if yeah. that's how it actually worked. It would also be more real. Yeah. Because in reality, what they're doing is going, yeah, no, you got 1000 still. We took 900 and gave it to that guy, and now that guy has 900 and now you have 1000 and then you go and pay another guy 900 and they put it in their checking account, and now that guy has another fucking however many hundred and now off of one one thousand dollar deposit i have a thousand you have 900 that guy has 820 the next guy has this much it's like now we're talking like multiple thousands of dollars that is all fake money fake ious yeah you owe me 900 he owes you 800 he owes you 700 Mm -hmm. meanwhile all this money is going to china 
Exactly. <laughs> and we all owe China six trillion. So <laughs> collectively. <laughs> Do we banks get like send each other real cash eventually? I don't think so. I think cash is obsolete. Here's a fun fact for you. Of all the money that is in circulation in the United States of America, mm. less than three percent of it is actual physical money, cash money. If you took all the cash that exists in the United States, every coin, every piece of paper, bill, whatever, that would make up less than 3% of all the money that exists in computers on paper as like some idea, just Mm. some number in your bank account. So 97% of the money that exists in our economy is just a number on a computer. It's not real money. When bank, when money started, you would go and say like, that was the whole idea of the gold standard. People didn't want to fucking walk around with fucking gold everywhere. It's heavy. If I want to pay you $100 worth of gold, I got well, to fucking put $100. No, fuck that. So they would give it to the banker and the banker would say, okay, great, dude. I have your $100 of gold here. <laughs> so here's a paper that says that if that guy wants to come in at any point and get that gold, he can get it. But then they realized, they were like, wait, nobody's ever coming in and getting this gold. They're just starting to trade the paper and just treat that like real shit. So then they started going like, well, why would I only loan out, why would I only put out $100 worth of paper for this $100 worth of gold when nobody's ever coming for the gold? I could loan out fucking $1,000 based off this one thing. And then you wonder, how does it ever get to the point where the money, the paper money at one point, in the history of our country, used to actually represent all the money that existed. Right. There was no computers. It was just, if you had coins and paper bills, that was it. There was no computer in 18-fucking-70. Yeah, that's why it was illegal to burn money and all that Exactly. Shit. Now, you're talking about, oh, inflation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course we're talking about inflation. Of course a cheeseburger has gone up fucking 20 times what it was 100 years ago because... That money that we had 100 years ago only represents 3% of the money that we've made up out of fucking thin air now. So where did all the gold go? And I don't know. It's like it's like it's it's hard not to get off your rocker with that conspiracy because it's not a conspiracy. That's literally the truth. Mm-hmm. Now the question is is there a better way to do it? I don't know. Would it be better if I put $1000 in my bank and then uh, you got a loan for $900 from that bank and then I went to go write a check for $200. Like, sorry, dude, you only have 100. We gave 900 to that guy. He's paying it back, but we only have $100 right now. So that would suck too. But it would only suck because then the banks would, if the bank's whole job was just, you give us your money, we'll protect it for you. Then you could do that. Then you would just, maybe you'd pay them, a, maybe you'd pay them interest. Maybe you'd pay them a fee for protecting your money. Like, hey, here's a thousand bucks. I'll give you 1% a month for just keeping it safe because I don't want to keep it on my fucking dresser or on my mattress and get it stolen. Well, they like used to do that. With, or there, there, there was uh, banks that were like that where like you had to have a certain amount in the bank account or they took money out of it. Yeah. Well, they, I think even most adult checking accounts still accrue like a fee or something like that yeah i got but, i got i got fucking low. i got i started my bank account when i was in college and they had this thing it's like there's no fees and no overdraft charges or anything like that yeah that's that's yeah. the that's what i have that's what most losers have mm-hmm. and that's just called the free checking account yeah. you know and then you just put money in there and they're just like whatever dude this, this is, is never the, gonna get to quadruple digits this is know? the your mom brought you in to start you a bank <laughs> yeah, account yeah. bank account <laughs> 
yeah, 10 years ago and you haven't done anything since then. Baby's first bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, so it's like, is it better that way? Well, I don't know. Is it like it's better for us to know that that money actually exists? Because what happens when every fucking 20 years, it seems like now, like most recently in 08, you have this whole financial collapse and you're like, well, how did that happen? That's because when you create tens of thousands of dollars of fake money for every $1,000 of real money, and it's all based on the promise that eventually that guy's going to pay you, who's going to pay him, who's going to pay him, who's going to pay me. And then if that one guy doesn't pay you, then this guy's out 900 bucks. This guy's out 900. This guy's out this much. And now all of a sudden the bank goes like, dude, we, act, I know your bank account says you have a thousand dollars, but you, we don't have a thousand. We don't have any of that shit. And and when everybody goes in to go like, dude, I, I think the system's collapsing. I want to cash out my account. I want that thousand bucks. They go, yeah, we had like 20 people come in today and all asked to close out their accounts and we're out of money. Yeah. And then what happens? Then what happens? People start jumping out of windows, dog. Then the government comes in and goes, luckily for you, we insure all depositors. And so what happens is the government pays out all the banks for mm -hmm. all the money they owe their depositors and the banks get off scot-free. And where does that money come from? Does the government have money? No. no. The government's money is your money. And the inflation goes up. So they come to you, essentially, and say, hey, tax-paying American, we hear you couldn't get that money out of your account. So we're going to take some money <laughs> that you paid us in taxes and put it in your account and there's your money. And it's like, that was my own money. Yeah, and then you get taxed on it again. Yeah, you just took money from me and gave it to me and said, here you go. And now Social Security's out. And now fucking inflation. Now you pay more in rent. And now food costs more. And then the banks go, oh, thanks a lot, dude. We'll just continue making fucking crazy. And this is why I wanted to get to this before we get into the gambling thing. Because the biggest stipulation that I feel like is very important to make about gambling versus vegas versus wall street uh -huh. the only difference between vegas and wall street is they're both gambling the only difference is when vegas fucks up when you fuck up a bet nobody else loses their retirement <laughs> yeah. that's the difference all those motherfuckers on wall street their entire job all you see is them walking around with their suits and ties and their cool Slick back hair, American psycho, nice apartments, nice shoes. Sweet walking business in. card. All they're doing every fucking day is speculating. Mm -hmm. They're not even investing in the stock at a certain point. They're just investing whether it's going to go up or down. They're betting the same way you're going to bet the Ravens are going to win or lose. They're, when they You saw that whole GameStop thing, shorting GameStop. Those motherfuckers put millions of dollars in betting that GameStop was going to fail. That wasn't an example of money coming in, investing in a business to help the business. That was actually an example of money coming in, hoping that it would fail. And then when people actually started buying GameStop stock, and the price went up. Billions of dollars were lost because all these motherfuckers had put in bets that it was gonna f that it was gonna fail. Mm -hmm. And so they completely screwed over Wall Street by going like, you know, it'd be funny is if we actually just started buying GameStop GameStop stocks. It's it's a hard one. Um, <laughs> if we they are all betting that the price is gonna go down, but if we start buying the stock then the price is going to go up, which means that everyone that bet the price is going to go down is going to lose that bet and they're going to owe all this money. Yeah. And so they did that. And then what happened? Conveniently, all the stock traders suspended trading. Mm -hmm. you, we're the ones supposed to be making money. 
You're not. What are you doing? You're not supposed. Only we're supposed to be manipulating the financial markets for our own gain. But the second you used information to try to counteract all of our billions of dollars of bets that we were going to make and get away with, actually now time out, time out, <laughs> time out. That's exactly what happened in fucking 2008, dude. Yeah, we knew that you weren't going to pay the back, pay back the mortgage. That's why we sold the mortgage to another bank. We told the other bank. We said, look, I I got this fucking four hundred thousand dollar mortgage. I charge him 30 years. What did we discuss earlier? He owes me triple that amount of money. He owes me $1.2 million. I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you for $1 million. That's a $200,000 profit. Other bank buys goes, hell yeah, man, I'm going to get Sick. a fucking million dollars. Then that guy never pays. Now all of a sudden, that bank's stuck with a fucking thousand. They were all just fucking taking shit and going like playing hot potato with it. Whoever winds up with the mortgage when the whole system collapses winds up going under. Mm-hmm. And so all these fucking banks like Lehman Brothers and whatever, the ones that ended up with them, they went under. The government stepped in and said... No, we got you. Taxpayer money. Pay it off. And that so they didn't pay a cent for it. We did. And now that's why prices are continuing to fucking rise and everything is going up and the living standard goes down. And it's fucked up because people have this such, I promise I'm getting to gambling, but people have this such <laughs> different view because of the way we've been. It's kind of, it's similar to the way that we were raised to think about weed versus alcohol. When if you really think about it, even though I've never been a weed guy, um, Speaking of which, you got rolling papers, Eric? Uh, I, so. I brought a little oh, bit. Oh, that's a sick shirt, by the way, Eric. I brought a little bit of marijuana. Rick Rubin? Sweet. Mm. The Rick Rubin edition? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I sat on it. It's all flat from my butt. The, I, it's similar to the, to the weed thing because we grew up not quite understanding that, yes, I do, like, yeah, weed and alcohol... If anything, you make the argument that alcohol is more dangerous than weed. Mm-hmm. Now, for sure, you could end up on the railroad tracks. You could. You could. <laughs> now, I've never been a weed guy. I've always been more of a drinker. Um, but I still accept that. I still get it. Like, I, you know, I think that I think that in an effort to try to get weed legal, we kind of oversold weed a little bit to the point where we were trying to make it like, actually, there's nothing bad about it. Actually, you can never get addicted. Even if you smoke all day, every day, that's not addiction. That's just like you're chilling. That's just what you want to do. Versus if you did anything else, if I drank three beers or five beers every day, I'd be a fucking alcoholic. But if you smoke fucking five joints every day, that's nothing. It's just yeah. weed is perfect. It you cures can cancer. smoke like an ounce of weed and be like, yeah, I'm medicating myself. Exactly. But like you can't pop like 30 Percocets a day and be like, I'm medicating myself. <laughs> yeah. So we have, so we kind of overcompensated. The pendulum swung the other way, where I just got so annoyed with the whole weed propaganda, pro weed propaganda, that I almost started to go like, you know what, fuck it. Now I don't even want it to be legal because you guys are so fucking annoying. Like I want it to be legal on principle because I want it to be legal on principle because I don't think that the government has any place. I don't think another adult has any place to tell me what I can and can't do unless it's harming someone else. That's why I make the same argument for cocaine and heroin and all those other drugs. So it's just like, you know what? Why are you putting me in jail for just doing something to myself? Like, what am I getting sent to the principal's office? Fuck you. So especially with weed, it's like whatever. But then uh, there was a part of me that like when I would see people get all fucking uppity about it, I was like, you know what? Now I just kind of want weed to be illegal just because fuck you. You're annoying. And you're lying too. You're lying in the opposite direction to try to justify it. It's like, dude, first of all, if you can't figure out how to get and smoke weed illegally without going to fucking jail, you got bigger fucking issues. You know, it's like weed has been illegal as long as I can fucking remember. And I've smoked weed several fucking times, countless times, which, you know, 
it, it, I can't count them. That's a lot. It's probably over a hundred. I don't even consider myself a smoker. I've probably smoked over a hundred different occasions. Maybe. Am I going to fucking jail? You got to be some kind of fucking idiot sometimes to do that shit. Unless you're like really fucking it. Once you get into the dealing and shit, it's like if you're just a casual smoker, it's like, what are you smoking out front of a fucking police station? Yeah, and also in middle if, school, even if you're selling weed, it's hard to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be really fucking dumb. So it's like, you know, even if it legal or illegal, like, you know, Coke's illegal. I could get Coke right now. Yeah. You know, but, uh, me too. Probably from the same guy, but it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, but going back to the whole like money thing, it's like, I think that that's similar to the way that we perceive of, of wall street versus Vegas is because we have this such this, like, um, I don't know what the word is like, uh, refined kind of like, uh, uh, dignified view of stock trading and investing and yeah, oh I, I i'm in a hedge fund what's a hedge fund they dude? wear suits and they have yeah. fancy cars and yeah what's a hedge fund you give your money to a guy who's really good at fucking gambling on stocks and you're going to be able to make money in the market regardless of if the market goes up or down because if the market's going down then you just bet that it was going down and you won your bet mm-hmm. and that's all it is and then we look at sports gambling and we're like well that's degenerate shit and for the most part it is for the most part <laughs> sports gambling is degenerate shit it is um but also for the most part so is stock trading it really is i mean most people they go there what are you doing what is the average person doing when they put money in apple Oh man, I just got each. I just downloaded E Trade. I'm gonna fucking buy Apple. Why? Because you're gambling that the price is gonna go up. That's all you're doing. You're not fucking sitting there and putting any more fucking research into like new technological developments in Indonesia and microchips. You're not doing any of that. You're doing it the same way the fucking guy who looks the Ravens are playing the Steelers this weekend and goes, man, I feel like we're easily smacking the Steelers this year. That's all it is. But yeah. yet we look at it completely fucking differently. And a sports gambler might actually spend more time than a Wall Street guy looking into what they're betting on. 100%. I know I do. <laughs> well, that's... that's Seamless uh, transition into to Matt. Have you been using Jimmy's gambling methods? Is this No, I use my own methods. He's been too. using his ah, own. Okay. He's actually been using the opposite of my... The, the yeah. polar opposite of my gambling <laughs> yeah. methods. And surprisingly, doing way better, apparently, according Every, to his false claims. It's not a false claim. Everything Jimmy everything Jimmy says about gambling, so he keeps saying parlays are for the poor man. And this, I, they are. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what ex, what your... Uh, what your theory... So you just bet on single games... Like, well, how yeah. do you do it? My my whole strategy is based off of the idea um, that uh, someone makes money in gambling. Okay. And the way you make money in gambling, uh, if you go to a casino, mm-hmm. um, the simplest example would be a roulette table. Now, when you go to the roulette table, that's when you're just going red, black, you know, betting on a number or whatever. That's the easiest game. It's the easiest to comprehend. Um, when you bet on red or black... It's a 50-50 bet, supposedly, which means that in order to break even, you would have to get paid whatever you put down. If you're winning half the time and losing half the time, if I'm putting $10 chip on red every time and red is going to hit half the time and red's gonna, and black's going to hit the other half, then if I'm getting paid out double what I make every bet, then I should break even, right? So like I put 10 on red, I win 10, now I got 20. I put 10 on re- red, it hits black, I lost 10, I've broken even. Because statistically, just like a coin flip, if you're betting on heads every time, it should hit every 50% and lose 50%, so you should break even. Here's the kicker, though. When you go to a casino roulette table, it's not just red and black ones. There's two mystery squares, double zero and 
and zero, both green. They're neither red nor black. So you have, uh, you have, I don't know the exact number, but you have something like 38 reds, 38 blacks, and two greens. So over the course of time, the vast majority of time, it, if it lands on a number, it's going to land on red or black, mm-hmm. but not exactly 50%. Because if there's 38 reds, 38 blacks, that means there's 76 red and blacks, but there's also two greens, which are neither, which means that every two out of 76 times that you roll, red and black lose. So when you put down for that 50-50 bet, it's not a 50-50 bet. You're getting paid out like it's a 50-50 bet, but you're really taking like a 48-52 bet. That number seems insignificant. It's a 2% difference. But when you have thousands of people rolling millions of dollars every day in a big casino, millions and millions of dollars getting thrown on that table, that 2% edge is how casinos make their money. And it's all based off of probability. It's all based on the idea that any given guy could walk in there and hit a lucky streak. You could walk in there and get seven reds in a row. That doesn't mean it was statistically probable. It doesn't mean that that's a a a a a, a good game plan for for long term. Mm-hmm. Because the law of averages suggests that if you're playing something with forty eight percent odds, even if you do hit a lucky streak and you get four in a row, if you play that game long enough, you'll hit it forty eight percent. And if you're hitting at forty eight percent, that means you're losing money. So gambling is when you go in there hoping to get lucky. Gambling is when you go in there going, I'm going to put it on red and I'm just going to hope that it hits red. Mm -hmm. Even though I know that if I play this game over the course of 200 rolls, that eventually I'm going to wind up losing money. I'm hoping that today I get lucky. And that's how most people gamble. You go to the casino, you're drunk, you go there, it's open all night. You go there, maybe you get a couple free drinks. They're giving you literal free drinks to keep throwing money because they know the longer they get you to stay there, the more they've increased their probability of eventually that law of average is kicking in and you're going to lose your ass. Yeah, yeah, but well, it's also like that Instagram meme where it's a guy mining for diamonds and there's a guy who quits right before he gets there. But another guy comes in. And that in. guy comes in and yeah. gets it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guy that doesn't give up. The guy who doesn't give yeah, up. That's that, me. And that's, I'm the guy who doesn't give up. That's mm. also what's called the gambler's fallacy. And this is the hardest thing to get over. And I'm still not sure I'm over it. Well, because you haven't won yet. I haven't won yet. Matt Once won. I, yeah, I'm getting all your winnings from not doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, the gambler's fallacy is this idea that if you flip a coin 10 times and you've lost every bet in a row, you sit there and you go, I got it. It's going to be this no time. There's no fucking way I lose 11 in a row. Mm-hmm. And here's the difficult thing to conceive. And the best way I could explain this fallacy is it's really hard because intuitively, even if you talk about the law of averages, which says that over the course of infinity, if you flip a coin for infinity times, it will average out to 50%. That does not mean that every 100 rolls, you might not hit one where you get 70 heads and 30 tails. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that if you go long enough, Mm -hmm. it will eventually average out. In fact, you would think that 50% odds, a 50-50 coin flip over 100 rolls, that the the majority of times you would get 50 and 50, 50 heads, 50 tails. And that is true. That is the most likely occurrence. But the actual percentage chance of getting exactly 50 heads and exactly 50 tails over 100 flips is about 8%. It's still the most likely because getting 49, 51 is like Mm 7.9%. But the likelihood of all these different outcomes is, is it's almost immeasurable. It's just over the course of time. And so people, if you, if you're betting on red and it goes black, seven times in a row people go dude 
black just hit seven times in a row. It, red is due. Red is due. It's not due. It's not any more due than it was on that first roll. And that's hard to conceive of because you're thinking like, but it should average out. But it's like, yeah, but over the course of infinity. If I told you right now, I said, hey, Matt, I'm going to make you a deal. I got a gun to your head. You're tied to a chair. And I say, Matt, I'm going to flip this coin a hundred times. Mm-hmm. If and only if I manage to get a hundred heads in a row, I will kill you. You obviously it's not ideal situation. Obviously, you would prefer not to be in that situation at all, but that's pretty good odds. What yeah. are the odds that I'm gonna get a hundred heads in a row? Mm-hmm. Right? So you're sitting there like, all right, I guess I'll take those odds. Fine. If that's my only choice, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. What's the odds? So I go, I flip heads. You're like, oh, well, that's not good. I was kind of hoping for tails, but you still got to hit it 99 more times in a row, motherfucker. I'm flipping heads, 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 heads. All of a sudden, I've somehow managed to get to 99 heads in a row, Mm -hmm. and it's down to the last flip. Intuitively, you can perceive of the fact that you're nowhere near as confident as you were before I flipped those first 99. Right. Because intuitively in your mind, you know that actually it's down to a 50-50 flip. And that's the difference is that once something has happened, the probability resets. You hit seven blacks in a row, the probability of it hitting red has not gone up. It's still 50-50. You hit 99 heads in a row, the probability of hitting a tails on that 100 flip has not gone up. Right. It's still 50-50. And so many people, if you want to be good at um, gambling, you have to bypass all those degenerate thought processes. I almost said bless you for some reason when so, you dropped that was a whiff. you dropped the rolling papers. I was like, so bless good. you. <laughs> but so your theory, your plan of action is uh parlays. Yeah, I like I have no there's no like I didn't there's no science to it or anything. I just I'm like, okay, I look, I see what I think before the game start. I never bet I've only I've only bet uh like before like before the game start, maybe 40 times i won once but what i usually do is i keep i write down who i think at the beginning and then i wait for the games to start and then i usually wait you know if it's baseball i'll give it like three or four innings basketball you know quarter or two see what's up and then i place my bets interesting so you actually you 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 come up with a a winner in your mind and Uh then you live bet halfway through the game yeah and also like i only bet about like i during football season i never bet on football because i don't care or know i I care about football but i don't know that much about it what do you think the significance of picking the winner beforehand in your mind versus just watching the game and just well, that's that. that's the thing is like because it's sports, it's people, it's like you said, it's complete. It's not completely random, but there is that element of like these are all individuals mm-hmm. with their own life, own own lives that they're going through, <laughs> and uh, and it's like it's like you'll you'll you know it's like a let's say in baseball it's like a really good team. It's the fucking Astros versus the Athletics, right? Mm-hmm. The Athletics suck nuts, and the Astros are so great. But who knows? Maybe that day they come out like on paper. It's like the Astros' best pitcher, and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, you're instinctively going to say the Astros. But then you see, yes. you know, that first inning, who like the fucking the Astros kind of like lollygag on the field. Athletics are sprinting, and it's like, oh shit! They're like, yeah. Even if even if the Athletics don't win this, they're definitely going to beat you know the spread or whatever the fuck or you know the over under or whatever. So it's like yes. 
that's where I do a lot of my like I bought the fucking MLB TV app so I can check that's in dope. and watch the games and I It's called sweating the games. Yeah, like the that. first uh the first time I won when I won a bunch of money, that was the first thing I did is I bought the MLB thing for a year, the NBA thing for a year, <laughs> and ESPN Plus for a year. It was an investment. Yeah, so now I'm like now I can actually see what's going on mm-hmm. and like yeah. and and, I, and still like I I lose probably 90% of the time, mm-hmm. but when I win, it's You win big. Yeah, and I'm not like betting crazy like like I keep you're putting in for like plus it looks like plus 5,000 parlays or something parlays that where if you win you make 50 times whatever you bet right mm-hmm. right yeah and, and the s- biggest one I hit was a 13 plus 13,000 plus 13,000 so on 20 bucks it was for like, betting I novices me, I gotta I gotta dip real quick but feel free to continue guys oh okay you're I gotta going go home? yeah I gotta go pick up food before oh, place closes okay yeah yeah but it's always a pleasure Matt good to see you sorry buddy. I was late uh, it's all good um yeah love you feel free to keep going it's all good brother where are you getting food from Towson best oh Oh. yeah they do close they are the best all right man peace oh i think we should just wrap up now (laughs) (laughs) um and he shut the door dude oh eric no can you open the door no he's going to Towson best can you open the door (laughs) thanks dude bye eric um so with the parlay thing, um, and the other thing, the other thing also to consider is, uh, I, I, a lot of my winnings come from cashing out early. Mm. That's actually very interesting. I, I've I, thought a lot about that. I hit a hundred percent of the parlay and win like a giant chunk of change. That's happened probably fifteen times. Where mm. and giant chunk of change being like seven hundred fifty dollars or more. So, um, I've thought a lot about employing the cash out option. It's, um, because on DraftKings recently, I don't know if you've seen this, but they've been doing a lot of like, uh, two run early win bonuses Yep, where you could bet a money line bet on a baseball team to win. But if at any point during the game, they're up by two runs or more, then you are instantly paid out for the win, even if they wind up losing that game. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be really like, obviously the 50% profit boosts they do are amazing. Sometimes I wonder how DraftKings is even doing all this. But um, the two-run early win thing, because it's like, yeah, if you factor in, A, the probability that your team's going to win, mm-hmm. plus the probability that even if they don't win, that at some point they might have a two or more run lead, then in my mind, I haven't done the math on this because I wouldn't even know where to begin. All right, I guess I would know where to begin, but I'm not willing to put in that. That's a lot of numbers you'd have to fucking punch in for that. You'd have to be you not just you know scanning over results of games. You'd have to be going. You'd be trying to figure out what percentage of teams that are up by two at any point in the game Mm -hmm. still wind up when it would be a lot of math over the. It'd be thousands of games, Um, but I just kind of have been working off the assumption that it's a pretty good deal. You it know, is. It is. Um, and, and it's worked out. There have been a couple times where it hasn't. But for the most part, I'd say I'm up on those bets because I, I just I, we call it O's tax. Me, Black, Lucas and Dom, we call it O's tax where every day we just throw money on the Orioles money line <laughs> and just see what the fuck happens. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah. Hey, you, you thought, odds are you're going to win more than 50 percent of those bets this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing that I guess uh, what I because what I was trying to figure out is a very important method. And again, I'm talking to a guy who's actually net positive on betting. I'm currently a little down. 
and I mean a very little bit. I wish they had a thing. They don't keep. They keep track of how much you don't. They don't technically keep track of how much you won, but the tax form you're gonna have to get is how much you won, and they show you every time. Like you can look through all your wins. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it's pretty easy to calculate that. But they don't tell you how much you've bet, and that's what I want to know because I don't know. I know I'm up, but I don't know how up I truly am because I've had some. I've had some. I've had some fucking real bad degenerate. (laughs) Yeah, but like there was, there was one. Uh, where I won, and this is like a dangerous game that you play. And I'm not trying to say I'm like the best gambler or anything. I do get very lucky, but like there was one I won like, I won like four grand in uh over like five days, and then that weekend it was during March Madness, mm-hmm. and that weekend I was like I'm going all like these are fucking lock. This is fuck, and I do I lost like twenty five hundred and Jesus, and, and just on the fucking Saturday Sunday of a March Madness. Wow. And I was like, wow. this is a very, very dangerous game I'm playing. And then in my head, I'm trying to justify it. Like, well, it was free money. It wasn't your fucking money anyway. Yeah, like, it was money that you... Yeah. yeah, you won four grand. You bet That was a $25 bet you won four grand on. And then you lost 2500 of that four grand. Like, you yeah, and that's not, a, that's not a totally wrong way of thinking about it. But then eventually, that 1500 that I had, had, had goes away and goes into, you know, back into betting. And then I come out with seven grand. And it's like, all right. So well, it's like, how much of my own money have I actually lost versus how much money of what I've won? Well, I've that's lost. why it's, it's that's, very important. If you're going to be doing it, the amount that you're doing it, I cannot recommend enough tracking your bets. I should it, make an app. I, I, it's called Google Sheets, man. That's the <laughs> app. I, I'm on Google Sheets, and and I could tra- I could tell you every amount that I've wagered every day, what the odds I took on that bet were hmm. the winning percentage of that bet uh all those things since I started since I first downloaded FanDuel in November hmm. all that data is there and does FanDuel do a cash out uh yeah I think pretty much every sports book that I can think of does oh, all right um and uh what you notice is is that the reason why sports books aren't losing their ass when they do this is because they understand that you can get lucky on a parlay. They mm-hmm. understand, like when I when I fucking randomly I texted you, I posted in my Instagram story, it's the biggest win I ever had to date. When I I put ten dollars on a plus nine thousand bet, and it hit, and I didn't even know it hit until. Like I, I was like I was on a losing day. It was been after like four days of losing, and I was just tracking my bets that night. And I saw that I won, and I was just like entering it in. And I looked again. And I was like, wait a second, does this say nine hundred dollars? <laughs> I just hit nine hundred dollars. And apparently, then then I I told Lucas, he's like, holy shit, you put money on that? Like, dude, that that I was just reading an article about that. It was a it was a um I think it was Northern Illinois or Northern Iowa or some team like that mm-hmm. that beat like some like big name it was college basketball this past season and they were plus 31 and a half underdogs yeah yeah for for gambling novices that means that the spread was 31 and a half points which means that they considered 50 50 odds to be do you think this team will keep the game are they gonna lose by 32 or not are they gonna do you like (laughs) we're giving you Coin toss odds on whether or not this team is going to lose by more or less than 32 points. It's like, a, and that's a dramatic amount. That's, it's a dramatic <laughs> amount. And so naturally, if you just took the straight money line odds, mm-hmm. which is the money line being, of course, like you bet your money and if it's they win outright, obviously 
you know, you bet on a team that's favored to win and you get paid much less for your bet. I, I know you understand this. I'm just mm-hmm. for anybody no, listening. No, yeah. And um, so like if you took the money line on that, I think it was paying out at like minus. College basketball is where you see the most ridiculous payouts because yeah, it's such a $20 mis- yeah. and you make 15 cents. <laughs> the biggest, the oh, absolutely. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest money lines you'll see in baseball uh, this season, for instance, is in athletics games. Like they'll two fifty. Yeah, any game that you'll see a team playing the athletics, you'll get paid out at minus two fifty, which means you'd have to bet two hundred fifty to win a hundred. Which means if you bet twenty five, you'd win ten. Which means if you bet like ten bucks, you'd win like cents. 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 Yeah. Or or like in that case, like a couple bucks. But in college basketball, you're talking about minus ten thousand, which means literally you'd have to bet ten thousand dollars to win a hundred, mm-hmm. and that's because it's considered such a likely turnout that that's going to be the case. That why would we pay you out any more than that for taking that bet? Yeah. What I tried to figure out the was, thing with college basketball too, from watching college basketball, is that might be the most clearly rigged sport of any sport I've ever watched. Those players know the fucking spreads. They know and they give a fuck, dude. I was I, w- I would bet on Tennessee, and they're like a big team, and you see they're playing like a smaller shitty school, and the spread's like plus seventeen, mm-hmm. or pl- seventeen and a half is the spread. And I'll be watching the game, and it'll be like two minutes left. They're up by twelve, a minute left. Now they're up by like fourteen, and they're fucking quick at, early in the shot clock, pulling threes. Yeah, dudes are offensive rebounding, and you're like, D- bro, you don't need to be doing this. And it sounds you like don't a, need to be it doing sounds this. like a joke, but if you think about it, because college sports are so mismatched in that way, uh-huh, and they're not you, getting paid enough. Yeah, you put yourself in the position of the college players. It's like, dude, okay, we're fucking Kentucky. And we're playing fucking UMBC. Mm-hmm. The spread is minus 25 or something like that. Like, the only thing that would make this game even fun for us is to try to beat the spread. Well, yeah, that too. I'm just more thinking about how they all have... You think bet- they're betting on themselves. Not even if they are betting, but the the money... Like, have you ever heard of, like, uh, what do they call them, bag men in, like, college football? Uh, So, like, big schools, they have these people set... Uh, Laramie Tunsil was a guy, an offensive lineman... Uh, and he got caught up in college with this, which all like so. Uh, colleges will have these donors or whatever to the programs, mm-hmm. and then there will be these bag men, which is just like some random guy hired as a middleman to deliver the athletes the cash that they're not supposed to get. Uh, so it'll be some guy hitting them from a burner phone or whatever. And odds are, those donors, those people that are already paying these players, are fucking gambling on the fucking schools they like i mean you're it's, yeah, these are multi-million dollar people they gamble they love yeah. to gamble yeah. especially if they're college football fans yeah like, of course yeah, yeah so so like i wouldn't be surprised if the bag men for these college basketball players are like yo you fucking you know spread look at the spread tonight you gotta keep a little eye on that yeah well you know these are all things like that's definitely like i think it's more it would be more insane to assume that that's not going on mm-hmm. you know and i think when it, you talk about the amount of money that's funneling through uh, I think when people take this tech, we're like, ah, I mean, that's a nice theory, but come on. It's like, no, no, the, the nice theory is that, no, that doesn't happen. That's the cute theory. Yeah. The cute theory is that, uh, yeah, these NCAA, which is making hundreds of millions of dollars every season and just now even has to pay anything to the athletes because they've been coasting off of the idea that, well, you get an education, you get a college degree. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, those guys who came up with that fucking racket <laughs> haven't thought of other fucking rackets and, and the people that are all involved in the thing. What I was, I guess, getting at with the parlays is the way that I kind of formulated my uh, system mm-hmm. was I wanted to 
figure out uh, how much these sports books are juicing the bet. And what I mean is the easiest way to think about it is spreads and over-unders. Spreads and over-unders are considered to be, for better or worse, 50-50 bets. So basically when you take a spread, uh, you're going, okay, basically the sports book puts out a number and goes, okay, Ravens are playing the Chiefs this week. You know, if it's last season, the Chiefs are probably favored. So it's like, you know, if most people, if you just went straight up and went, oh, let's, you know, who do you think is going to win? Most people would say the Chiefs. And so what they instead do to make it interesting is they go, well, how about we give you a spread? And the spread is the amount of points that the Chiefs have to win by. And they try to structure that point line at a point where they would consider it a 50-50 odds. Mm -hmm. So if you said it's Chiefs minus three and a half, that means that Vegas... I'm using Vegas as a blanket term for the sports books, has determined that based off of all the analytics that they have, they would determine that if the Chiefs and Ravens this season played 100 times and the Ravens started off with three and a half points at the beginning of every game, that they would that the Ravens would win 50% of those games. And so at that point, then now you know that to the best of... My whole system is based off the idea that someone else is doing the analytics because Vegas, the only way sports books are making money is off of putting out these lines to be accurate. If they put out a line that's completely fucked, they're fucked. Mm. So there are so many people called odds makers, handicappers, that go into saying, look, you know, Ravens plus three and a half, that's a 50-50 bet. And then what happens is you get paid out, not double your bet. It's 50% of winning that bet, but you get paid out minus 110, which means that if you win... If you bet $11 and you win, you win $10. If you lose, you lose all 11. So, if you think about it, if you're if if you're winning that bet 50% of the time, if 50% of the time you're winning 10 and the other 50% of the time you're losing 11, over the course of time you're losing money. Right. Over the course of 100 bets, if you've won 10 50 times and you've lost 11 50 times, you've lost $50. And so that's the juice. The juice is that extra 2% that they're getting. I was trying to figure out how much does that juice increase depending on the uh, the bet. So then I did, okay, I would do a parlay. I would take a spread that was a spread, and then I would parlay it with an over-under mm. from a different game. Both of these, the over-under is the same thing. It's just, do you think the, the total, total score is going to be yeah. over this amount or under this amount? And they have to structure that line in the same method. 50% chance that the Ravens and Chiefs are going to combine for more than 38 points or less than 38 points. So those are both what Vegas has determined to be a 50% bet. And I parlay them together. So I know that when Vegas determines one 50-50 bet, 50% odds of winning that bet, they juice it at about 2%. What if I parlayed two fifty? percent bets together now the odds of winning 250 percent bets would be 25 percent, right Mm -hmm. so you would think that the parlay payout for that would be so that you know to break even if you're winning one out of every four bets you make one of every four parlays you make you would have to win you would have to win one for every three you lose right and so the amount of payment would have to be if i bet ten dollars i would have to win uh, 
if I lost ten dollars three out of four times, I would have to win ten or thirty dollars once, and that would right. be break even. Mm-hmm. What they're actually paying you when you win that is more akin to about twenty four dollars or something like that, or twenty five dollars. So actually, you're looking at it, you're going, "Oh shit, dude! If I bet ten dollars, I can win twenty five dollars." But the actual odds of winning that are twenty five percent. Yeah. And if you're winning one in every four times you place that bet, you're winning twenty five dollars for every three times you lose ten, you're still losing, right? And so even with the part, the big parlays plus ten thousand, you might be thrown in a bet, and plus ten thousand. That's like maybe I don't know, one in a hundred eleven percent chance of winning. One in 111 or something, yeah. something like that. People mistake the fact that they hit big once for the fact of how much money have you lost yeah. betting that. And the reality is, is in your situation, I would wager to say, I don't know how much you're betting. Uh, but like 20 bucks, That's 20 like, bucks. But my, my usual, the most I'm going to bet on a single bet is like $25. But you 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 don't have any. Do you have any? I'll do like forty dollars a day. Do, maybe you're up though. Do you know for a fact that you're up? I've got to be up. I mean, yeah. just off of my bank account and <laughs> yeah, and like just you know, I, I've been my ba- my bills have been paid, my debts are trimmed. Like you got to be up. I got. There's no way I can't be up. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. My concern is with this method is there's two possibilities. Either, well, there's three possibilities. I mean, as long as I'm like making, as long as you like aren't relying on it. As no, no, I understand that. I I understand that. I understand that. That's that's where that's where it would get into like a real problem. Like if I was like, fuck, I I don't have any money. I need to go gamble. I'm not accusing you of having a problem in any way. I'm I'm just trying to. Oh no, I'm just saying like in general, there's people that are like that. That's not me. I'm just trying to put it out there that lucky streaks happen. And, uh, you know, you hit a bet, whatever, but Vegas is so good at their job of actually determining what the likelihood of something happening is when you take that athletics bet, when you, when you, when the Astros are playing the athletics and you're sitting there going, yeah, the Astros are paying out minus 250, which means if I bet $25, I'll win 10, Mm -hmm. right? You're thinking that's like, yeah, I'm only going to win 10, but like, I'm definitely going to win this bet. And uh, about two out of three times, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. But one out of three times, it's not the case. They're working out that probability. If the Astros and Athletics play with this exact lineup a hundred times, what percentage of the times will the Astros win? And may- maybe the Astros will win 75% of that time. But there are nights when they don't. Yeah. So for every one, for every three nights that you win your fucking measly little payout with the minus bet, there's that one night where you lost your whole fucking bankroll, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's the reality is that, is that, um, it's the, it's the old, uh, Marshawn Lynch adage that I'm going to get got, but I'm going to get mine more than I get got. And that's. I love that. I'll get got little by little, but when I get mine, it's yeah. gonna be like you're gonna it's, you're gonna feel that shit. And it's, yes. and it's all, t- all there's no actual like foolproof way to do any type of gambling unless it's like blackjack or something where you're counting cards. 
and cheat the system. Well, I mean, to me, I would argue that you like how I had that hard G there. Argue. Mm-hmm. I would argue that there, there's no way to like destroy the system, mm-hmm. but there is a way to win in the system because people do it, mm-hmm. and it's the same. I find myself now in this phase of my life contending with the same level of like doubt and uh, like just kind of like side eyes from people when I explain to them what I'm trying to do with gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that they would look at me when I would tell them I wanted to be a professional musician. And that's because to the average person, the idea of being a professional musician is... I guess in some way they either look at it like this luck thing or they look at it as um, there's just certain people who are just supposed to be famous and we're not any of those people. Right. You know, like there's special people, Mm -hmm. Bruno Mars, Adam Levine, Doja Cat. They're just Beyonce. They're just special people with this immense amount of talent that just is incomparable. And you'll never see a guy anywhere in your life that isn't world famous that has that same amount of talent or more. You'll never see that. And so they look at it as like, if you're going to try to do that, then it's like an all or nothing type of thing where it's like, you're either going to like fucking luck out and get discovered and hit it big, or you're just going to go broke trying. Right. And the reality is it's not the case. The reality is it's like, no, there are ways to play music for a living mm-hmm. and make a living, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's not $2 million, but it's 75,000. Exactly. It's, it's comfortable. Exactly. And so with gambling, I think they kind of take the same tact where they're like, well, you know, gambling's just like a, okay, well, okay, so is every World Series of Poker winner, is that just the, is that just the luckiest guy in the world competition? <laughs> is that what it really is? Just a luckiest guy in the world competition. Might as well just make it a Russian roulette. Um, <laughs> that would be fucking sick. Yeah. Clearly, that's not the case. Yeah. Clearly, when you look at people who are professional gamblers, you're not dealing with just people who are just lucky. You're dealing with people who have figured out how to win within that system. And the fact that there are professional gamblers, professional sports gamblers, professional blackjack players, professional poker players, means that there is such thing as winning. Because the house doesn't care if you win as long as more people lose. And so all you have to do is be on the opposite side of that fucking bar. All you have to do is not be one of the people that lose. Because the house is making, if you win and three other guys lose, carry on. Yeah, We won, you won, and those three guys lost their ass. It's great. So this idea that everyone loses gambling is not the case. Most people lose gambling. Right. Because most people gamble as either a hobby or just, oh man, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, bro, Lamar's going to score three touchdowns. <laughs> That's most people. Yeah. But there is a way, in my opinion, and not even my opinion, clearly there is a way because there are people who do it mm-hmm. to do that. And now my system perhaps might not be proven, and that's why I'm trialing it, but... Man, all this is making me want to check the parlay I got. Oh, yeah, true. Well, check the parlay. Read off your picks while I take a piss. I, the I, picks, just did, I just did a single game thing. Yeah, take your piss. I just did a single game uh, for the NBA Finals today. No, it's all good. I got it. I'm fucking... I've, yeah, it's... Look, uh, this is Maddie the Jew here. It's time for Maddie the Jew's s- single game pick. It's not looking good. <laughs> but uh, uh, if if you're listening to this and you want gambling advice, Jimmy, everything Jimmy just said is all well and good. 
But dude, it's just it's just like everything else. It is random. Everything's random. The chance that I become an actual making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year comedian, that's it's it's up to the fucking invisible hand. And I'm not talking about the economic one. I'm talking about the invisible hand of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, the one true Lord and Savior. He's the one that's blessed me with all these winnings. And he's the one that's going to bless me and you, potentially. All I'm saying is if you're going to gamble, believe in Jesus Christ because it's it's the only way. I mean, Jesus Christ could come in and block that kick. You'd, you'd never know. You would never see it, you know? So, yeah, that's uh, Jimmy's back now. I was just telling the people that the only real way to be a, a true gambler and to win is to believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> He's the invisible hand of the sports book. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, but yeah, all that aside, dude, congratulations on your winning because uh it's gotta be fun when you see that fucking five K hit your bank account. Especially if you have no idea that you lost fifty five hundred in the yeah. process. Yeah. That's gotta be even more fun. Well, I mean, I know I know, but like there's times where uh like so there was one I won and then a lot. This happens all the time too. Every time I win, some life shit happens, mm-hmm. and all the money I just won goes straight back into life. Where like I like I won uh, on the Super Bowl and stuff. Got in a car accident, or the or the or my uh, I had to buy my car like the next week, mm-hmm. and I didn't get as much money from insurance as I was hoping. So I, you know, yeah. And like so, like this past that I just won. Uh, my fucking blow and go my car got all fucked up and i just had to pay like twelve hundred dollars in like fines and all types of other shit with that um life has a way of evening out the spread at all times god is the ultimate odds maker but the the best feeling in the world is like right after like i just you get done paying rent all this other stuff you're waiting for your check to hit you're like i got 75 dollars till tomorrow i'm putting 25 on this thing and then it comes out you win thirty five hundred dollars and you're like it's everything's great it's uh, <laughs> i had uh, every now and then i'll like I, i've gotten so into because really i mean i said people gamble as a hobby gambling is my hobby yeah it's it's something that uh i definitely don't do for a living because uh, that would be insane i can't live guy. off a of negative 200 dollars. yeah <laughs> there's no way like there's like a youtubers and stuff that's whole thing is <laughs> gambling or twitch streamers i mean yeah, yeah yeah and it's just like dudes playing fucking slots all the time and it's like they're pretending like they're winning but they're playing with the fucking house money there's yeah. these fake online casinos and shit give them money to do it yeah it's like so there's no real <laughs> i don't think there's any real professional gamblers aside from like poker players i think like there those, are dudes, professional, those dudes are playing poker there are absolutely professional sports gamblers. <laughs> there are absolutely professional sports gambling because and, and what most people tell you is Look, with a minus 110 payout, if you're betting spreads, that means that in order to break even, you'd have to win about 52.8% of your bets. Call it 53%. So in order to break even, you would have to win at a rate of 53% uh, of a 50-50 bet. So most professional gamblers are shooting for about the 54 to 56 mark. Hmm. 
Anybody who's telling you that they're winning at a higher rate than 56% on spreads is bullshitting you. 55 when you're betting significant money, if you can win 55% and be clearing a 3% positive EV, mm-hmm. if you're betting $100,000 and you're clearing a 3% positive EV, you've just made $3,000. But you got to have that money to make that money. And that's that's the reality. It's like it's people who have figured out different systems and who are investing the time into doing their own analytics and trying to catch when the sports book has missed yeah. missed some component in in factoring in their lines where your line is you actually actually you're showing a 50% chance at one point higher and so you're like actually this is a good bet for me to take cuz now I have uh, my most recent thing I did was with baseball over/unders uh, I was trying to figure out the significance of a half a point in the over/under line, mm-hmm. and so with baseball over/unders, what I did was I managed to find this gold mine of data, which is every season of baseball since 2010, and it was all the things you could ever want: the score in every inning. Oh yeah, baseball savant. Or uh, I think it was something. It was similar to that. I don't think that was the exact thing. But baseball is the perfect sport for that because baseball is the original sport that like everything is is yeah. stats. Everything, every fucking thing is like his war, his ERA. Like yeah. it's so yeah. analytics based mm-hmm. um, that like you can find historical data for that going back. Like I feel like with football and shit, it was just like a hunch up until like 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, like, like they didn't start recording blocks in the NBA until like 1992. Exactly. Like fuck. baseball, I could tell you, they could tell you what the fucking guy's batting average in 1893 was. It's mm-hmm. like, it's insane. And so what I found was was every season dating back to 2010 um the score in every inning the closing spread the closing over under the closing run line payouts and everything okay and what i did was i did a formula to figure out okay what was the winning percentage uh i took the final score total and then compared it to the closing spread over under and then if it won i would give it a one if it didn't hit i would give it a zero and then so that evened out to actually surprisingly in baseball, the under hits about 50.8% of the time. And that's that's known data. Um, but I, I compiled it myself and I got to the same number. Um, then I did, okay, what if I added 0.5 points to the final score? Uh, what would be the winning percentage at that rate? Uh, basically saying, okay, maybe the if the closing spread was 8 and I took the under 8, the winning percentage of that would be 50%. Right. But what if I took the closing? What if I found a sports book that was offering under 8.5? So I gave myself an extra half point. What would be the winning percentage of that? And that was like 54%. Mm. And then I did it for one whole point extra. And the winning percentage, if, if every final score game had one extra point added to it, what percentage would that have cleared the under or the over? It was like 59%. So mm. basically what you've determined at that point is that for every half point that you get, that you can find an edge you're giving yourself a 4%, 4.5% edge hmm. on the sports book. That's deep, dude. Yeah, it's a lot, but I How mean... How long did it take you to do that? Honestly, it was more so just like research into Google Sheets to how to like program formulas. <laughs> once I did that... <laughs> Back to the Google Sheets. Yeah, once I, once I did that, then I just kind of filled in the formula. Like I was originally planning on doing it manually. Um, that, and, and looking back, wild. I can't believe I thought about it doing that. But afterwards, I was just like, no, I'll just fucking this block, this block... Enter in the formula, plus 0.5, plus 1, plus 0, and then it, it triggers either a 1 or a 0 for each block. And then after, I think there's like 4,000 games per baseball season or something, or mm-hmm. something ridiculous, maybe something like well, that. 162 times fucking... Yeah, however many teams there are, plus 
playoffs and everything. It's a lot yeah. of games. And so every season is giving you like multiple thousands of games of output. And then so it would be a zero for a, a, a loss, a one for a win. And then at the end, I would take the average of zero through one. And yeah. it, that would give you your percentage winning probability. Um, but like that's, believe it or not, that is that is what those people are doing. Right. That's what Vegas is doing. And that's, in my opinion, that's how you win. Um, or you just fucking get lucky, man. Yeah, I'm 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 team get lucky, dude. I'm team <laughs> lucky ducks. Mm. But getting so involved with that, I've become obsessed with the idea of probability and just noticing anomalies in like my own life. It and seems like it. Oh, you're going with life too. Just in general, I mean, like if you look into physics, uh-huh. uh, you know, because I think my my obsession with the gambling thing, not obsession, but my fascination with it is um derived from my fast my fascination with just the nature of existence it's it's like um thinking about like you know whenever people discuss physics and quantum physics the universe and things like that they always talk about like probabilities and things like that like like even like you know the most baseline things when i was uh like just driving around and you mentioned earlier you're like you hit big on a uh, a bet and then like that same week you get like you're blowing go fucks up or something mm-hmm. like that and it's like i've always found that whenever like cuz you we don't think about it in life but you hit hot streaks and you hit losing streaks oh yeah like just like maybe you've crushed four gigs in a row like you've had four awesome gigs in a row or maybe like you've like all of a sudden one week, one Monday you wake up and there's like five job offers for the month and you're like, oh shit. Like you'd be sitting there for the whole week being like, dude, I, don't, I need more gigs. I'm texting people, hitting up managers at restaurants. Hey, I can fill in this. I'm trying, I got to fill out my calendar. And then one day you'll wake up, you go to text, be like, hey, can you play this private event? We're paying. It's like just shit happens, yeah. you know, and you hit yeah. these hot streaks and like just that nature of like, you know, it does tend to even out a little bit. And so it's really about configuring your, uh, like I think of even with, even with the career thing, you know, I think about a lot of the people that I resonate with are people that have aspirations and like, and cause I want to get into something in a bit, uh, about the Gen Z take on this. But, um, for the time being people that like want to achieve something more than just, working their job, you know, people that see there's that want more out of life than just getting by. Right. And, uh, you're looking at, you're like, uh, in my scenario, you know, I'm now that I'm like fascinated with probability. I'm so like, okay, so what are, is it like, I, I will like, for instance, right now with my over under bets, I I'm taking 50, 50 bets and I've won three out of 10. And I know that's an anomaly because I know that I'm supposed to be winning five out of 10 of those. That would still be losing money to win five out of 10, but I know that's what I should be getting. So the fact that I'm getting three out of 10 is actually, that's just, that is literally just bad luck. And so you're hitting bad luxury. So I'm going like, okay, so what are the odds that if I were just to continue to fucking grind and work and make music and do the podcast, is this just a, is this just like a, the longest bad luck streak ever? <laughs> like yeah. I'm thinking about yeah. I'm like I'm like what is the actual like analytical odds that if I were to continue to keep fucking going yeah that eventually 
the law of averages would pan out and I would meet the level of success that I guess I would think I was supposed to get, you yeah. know? Well, it's, it's just like uh, the longer you do something, you know, the better you get at it. And eventually, like the, like comedians, it's always it's always dudes that have been doing it 10 years or more. And it always seems to be right around that 10, 15 Mm-hmm. Like that's when shit starts happening, mm-hmm. and I think it's just like, like, like you were saying how it evens out. It's like the the wins get bigger the longer you're doing something because yeah. you're 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 better at it. You know how to do it more, yeah. so you're, you know, you <clears throat> you get those better win streaks and the losses. I mean, they get bad, but they're not going to be as bad because those wins were so great. Yeah, because you've won more. Well, yeah. even with like even with like um, comedians are a good place to start with that because, you know. Basically, the law of averages suggests that whatever thing it was, if you play it out over a long enough time, it will average out to that thing. Mm. And so with certain comedians, you'll see they can hit a hot streak very early. It's very feasible to uh, suppose that like a person downloads FanDuel for the first time, knows nothing about gambling, you know, really likes Northern Iowa. And just goes like, dude, I went to Northern Iowa. I'm going to fucking bet on this. Fuck it. I'll bet $100 on it just because I want to watch a game tonight. And then that plus 9,000 hits. That's their first bet they ever made. Right. And they made 9,000. Beginner's luck. Now, is that person a good gambler? Is that person, if that person continues to gamble, going to continue to make that amount of money? No, of course not. But they anomalously, (laughs) they struck an anomaly. Yeah, oh, I you're saying anonymous. Ano- anomalously. I don't know if that's a word. I don't think so. Anomaly, anomalous, anomalously. Anomalike. Anomaly like. <laughs> they anomalously. <laughs> they hit a luck streak and they lucked out. Look at comedians. We're like, you're looking at a person with much less talent, much less development, but for whatever reason, they put out a video and that video yeah. hits the plus 10,000. Matt Rife. <laughs> okay so real i i want you to explain that situation to me but All right. it's real quick, very simple yeah yeah just to close out the point it's like on the same token you could be seeing a guy who has all the things who mm. who has the skill who has the like this this is a working plan to actually achieve long-term success maybe you've got that slight edge but maybe your first hundred rolls, you still are wind up on the downside, Yeah, you know, but it's just a matter of going like, if I roll this enough, if I have that 51% edge, I know if I roll enough times, I'm going to end up winning, you know, I'm going to wind up 1% up, right? you know, even if I lose the first, however many. So like all those things, you kind of learn from just like simple shit, like degenerate shit, like gambling. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell me about Matt Reif too, because I've heard so much about him from all my least favorite people. And I want to know. What, meaning you you hear good stuff from your least favorite? Uh, what I mean is there's certain comics that just... I I haven't bothered actually looking into the situation, so I just saw people saying things about this guy, and... Uh, I might just be salty, because I'm like, he's, he's... I'm not even saying good things, or I'm not even saying I side with one of the other. I just, whenever I see people talking about another comic, I just don't even bother, because I'm like, this is like every fucking week or whatever i don't fucking know yeah but what's going on with this he just well he's he looks like handsome squidward nice and he's like a charming guy so he can do crowd work and it's like that's what he does he just does like in my opinion shitty crowd work where he just tries to like fuck the audience which 
Honestly, like that's been my thing the last few months is trying to fuck everybody in the audience. So seeing <laughs> a handsome guy doing it and successfully, it's I'm unfair, like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's kind of bullshit, dude. But like, he's he's just so he's he. There's no scandal. There's no nothing. He's just a guy who's handsome. Well, yeah, I mean, like he put out success. his he put out his fucking tour poster, and it was basically like the cover of a romantic novel. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, basically, this guy. So is people doing, people hate him because he's beautiful and does girl comedy. So so basically, this guy is doing exactly what every mildly attractive female comedian does. Yeah, sorta. And it just seems wrong when a guy does it. Yeah. I now I'm on your side. I find that despicable. I I mean I think it's I mean, like if you got it do it but like I have I have other reasons of not liking him like who 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 he's friends with and things like that. I can't see being friends with a guy who leads with his hotness. Yeah, and he's also and it's like also like a he's got like a wigger thing he does too. Mm. Yeah, it's it's always weird to like be the hot guy. Mm-hmm. It's like uh I think we just not to sound sexist. I don't but, want my comedian to be the hot guy or the hot girl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you're already hot. Just go sit down. It's just kind of like I don't, I don't really bat an eye when I see a girl do it. It's just kind of like I don't know. I'm so used to girls in general. Kind of, if you have it, use it. You yeah. know, like it's yeah. like I'm used to it. It seems natural. Yeah, even it girls seems, that don't have it use it. Yeah, <laughs> it seems natural for a woman to use what she's got. It doesn't seem. It seems cringe when a guy does it, especially a comedian. Yeah, these are supposed to be be the people not taking things seriously. Yeah, and being hot, you're serious about your hot. You're serious about being hot. I'm serious about me being. I'm not. I mean, I think I'm hot, but I'm not yeah. serious about it. You're not serious like, about it. I don't take yeah. it that seriously. Yeah. You know? I, when I step on stage, I'm the sexiest guy in the world. Yeah. Not seriously. Yeah, but in my mind, I am. Well, you're supposed to bring something else to the table. It's it's kind of like I don't even know if women are really that into a guy who's hot for the sake of being hot. I just don't think that's in their. Uh, dumb fucking Midwestern. Dumb bitches, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But women are naturally less shallow than women. I mean, men. Uh, <laughs> women are less shallow than women. Women are less shallow than men. Or you could make the argument that they're actually just less. They're equally shallow in different ways. That's what know? I think. Which is why we had the fish scale last time, or not yeah, last time, but a, a couple times, times ago. ago yeah. A few times ago. And you know what's weird is I posted that thing. I posted on uh, my close friends on Instagram, which I let Instagram decide. Yeah. And it was all just like half of it was like the squad. Yeah. Not even half of it. Small portion of it was the squad. The rest was just like girls for some reason. Eh. So I posted the DraftKings winnings, and like the next few days, there's a lot of people liking my posts and. DMing me and stuff, and I was like, "This is that's fucking gross." Yeah, you guys are fucking gross. Yeah, you saw disgusting. I got a little bit of money in my bank account now. Oh, really? Don't talk to me. Oh my god. Yeah, I've never been making enough money to ever know what it's like to make money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I've never been making enough money where other people know I'm making money. Right. You know, where like, I guess I think I'm in a place right now where people just assume that. He's got to be doing something. Yeah. What does he do? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how most, if you were to ask him, like, I guess he's doing something. I don't know. He, he might be a drug dealer. Like, he I don't he seems to be getting by. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I've never, that's one, that's one, uh, uh, foot forward that I've never had is yeah. the money guy. I mean, that's the first taste I've had of it. I was, I was always, uh, very, uh, 
my dad, like my grandma was friends with me on all my social media, my dad's mom. Mm -hmm. And if I ever posted anything about money or like, you know, some trying to flex, she would call me immediately and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Somebody's going to come rob you. Yeah. And also it's just, that's just like, uh, what is it? Like classless. Yeah. Like it's only fucking... It, it, it's the old act like you've been there before mm-hmm. thing. Like, just know that whenever you brag about something, what you're saying is, is that this is a new thing. Right. And that's why I actually had the discussion with guys in my band when they would make posts and be like, just hit 10,000 plays on Spotify for one of our songs. I felt like kind of a dick saying this, but I was like, dude, I want people to think that that's normal. I don't want people to think that us getting 10,000 plays on Spotify is an achievement because so much of how people perceive you, first of all, if, if, if we, if one, if you saw a song on Spotify and you heard it, the same song, whether you like it or not, or I'll, I'll use the YouTube video better. It's a better example because I see myself doing this as well. A YouTube video comes up. It pops up on your autoplay. You're fucking zoned out. You watch it. You find yourself interested. It's like, it's a good video. You fucking hit the thing. You see how many views it has. You perceive it differently. If that video has 1.5 million views versus if that same video that you were enjoying watching and listening to, you pull it up and it has 93 views. Yeah. You, whether you like it or not, you perceive it as more of a legitimate thing to like. Like, when you see that other people like it, it's the same science that goes behind bar science and party science. How do you throw a good party? You get enough people there to start. Once people are there, then other people see other people are there, and then it's a snowball effect. How do you get... A, I remember we were down in Fort Lauderdale, the first one I visited um, uh, Miami with, with Liv. We drove down there. We went to uh, this bar across the street from Fat Cats in Fort Lauderdale on the Strip. It's this Irish bar. There was nobody there. And... Uh, sitting there I, I i it just looked like it was a it was we just got off the fucking uber from the airport we we're like fuck it we drove there or something and i was like let's go in here and we're sitting there and it's like it's dead as fuck loud ass music there's all kinds of bartenders around like they're expecting a crowd but just right. nobody's there and um I, and liv was like oh, let's just fucking let, you want to go somewhere else like liv's not like a big party person either. she wasn't like trying to find like the poppinest place ever she was like you want to go somewhere there's like anything going on and i was like okay um, but then I'm thinking like, well, like I was like, look, I got this whole fucking tirade, not tirade, like, like a thought experiment with her. I was like, what makes this bar any less of a good bar than that bar across the street that has a lot of people in it? Right. It's really just the fact that every single person just like us has walked by and saw that this bar doesn't have people, that bar does have people, and so you naturally gravitate to where other people are. It's human nature. You don't trust your own instincts. You trust the instincts of everyone around you. Yeah. And there's nothing intrinsically that makes this bar any less cool than that bar across the street, other than the fact that you see people are already there, and so more people begets more people. A crowd gets a crowd. And so... Lo and behold, we're sitting there for another. I'm finishing my drink. I get another drink while she was in the bathroom. She's like, I thought we were going to go, whatever. I get there. By the time I'm finished my second drink, that place is packed out of its fucking ass to the point where we wanted to leave just because it was too packed. And what I thought was interesting about it was like, all it takes is once someone finds it legitimate, Mm -hmm. then it validates the next person who finds it. So your first fans are your realist fans because they are watching you in terms of comedy. They're watching you and going, 
Nobody knows who this fucking guy is. And yeah, like, let's see where this goes. But I legitimately think this guy is like really fucking good. And I'm a fan of him. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is when you get your first layer of people that appreciate you, then that validates for that next layer of people that might not have been confident enough in their own instincts to like you at first, but they're like, well, I mean, he seems to have a following. So I feel like he is, he's, is something to like, you know, and then they like, it. and then when you hit it big, what's all this really happened is, is that you've had enough people that started off that little fucking kindling. Yeah. And then everyone, then you become so big that people just know you because people know you. And and you have people that that know your name that couldn't even tell you a joke you fucking made, and that's that that's that's the the reality of of like how that shit works, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it just seems uh, like that to get to that that level of like being famous, famous. There you, you kind of have to push for that. I mean, you're not just gonna get, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, but you can't, that's the thing. It's like, it, it, like there's it's guys different like, for every person. Yeah, there's guys like Dave Attell who are like, the, he should be famous, famous with how good he is, but he's had like the same following for like 20 years and it hasn't gotten any bigger or smaller really. I mean, there's sure a, people come and go, but. There's a beauty in being like the comics comic. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. I don't think Matt Rife. I think Matt Rife might be just in it for pussy. I don't know. Just... Probably, <laughs> but that's the reality. It's like when you when you lead with that. Like it's like first of all, that's a losing endeavor because once you're not the hot guy anymore, then you're you're nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know Matt Rife. I don't know his situation, so I'm not trying to down talk him. Yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him as a person. I, just... I don't even know his act. I don't know anything about him, so I don't. No. I I can't even sit here and be like I didn't appreciate his act. It's just like if that is the case that he's leading with his looks. It's like, yeah, that is, you can, you can get up on that. But like, if that's all you have to offer, then at a certain point, it's like, it's like how like certain like chicks lead with being hot, even just in the dating realm. And like, they put themselves out on Instagram. They're like the hot chick. And then like, they wonder why they can't find a man. It's like, well, you led with the hotness thing. And so you led with like appealing to like my desire to want to fuck you. And then I did. And then. There was nothing else there yeah. to like make me like want to not da- find someone who has more to offer, you know. Right. And it's like it's 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 a very. I don't know, man. I don't. I I've never uh, had sex with a hot person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have. Not like a Instagram hot person. Yeah. Or like I a mean, dating profile hot. Person. Most most people have. The hottest person that I had sex with that was for, like hot on the internet was 17. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. I hate, I feel like I bring that up too much. No, it's fine. It's fine. It, it's a long time ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's easily like 23 now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to get hot though. I think I'm going to start taking steroids. I think that what you need, I think you're, I think you're hot enough for what you're trying to do. First of all, you yeah. look like you lost some weight. I have. I've been uh, not eating fast food nice. as much, even though I did just eat an entire and pizza today. Hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, I ate a whole piece of pasta mista pizza yesterday. It was not pretty. What was pasta mista? I it was a, It's like a legend. There's one in Towson. There's one in Canton. Uh, all the Towson heads always talk about pasta mista. It's been there since I was a kid. Like it's one of the old like fixtures of Towson like okay. Italian food but I never ever really went there and then yesterday I was like craving 
like some type of like Italian cuisine. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe I wanted some pasta. And then I was like, you know, what? why don't I just fucking crush a pizza? Yeah. You know? And, and I went to Pasta Mista and I got to say it was fucking good. Mm. And um, actually this leads into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. I go to the counter and there's this girl. I don't know how fucking old she was. She looked like she was probably 19. I'm going to say 19. Okay. Just for the sake of the story. Um, fake eyelashes, the whole thing. Pretty girl, though. Um, and uh, Do you I, ever just want to like reach out and just pull their fake eyelashes off? I do. That's I, one of my uh, intrusive thoughts I get all the time. I can't stand the eyelashes thing. I, I don't get it. Like, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you look back at like when we were kids mm-hmm. and when you're in like middle school, high school, the whole like emo thing was big and all the like all the like scene kids had like their hair like straightened like that mm-hmm. and like the leather the the fucking studded belts and all the skinny jeans like vans. Yeah, it it um I think at the time I always kind of realized that it was a fad, but you didn't quite realize it a fad because I had never been in high school or middle school at any other point. So that I just thought that was middle school and high school. People just dress like that. And then when you look back, you're like, well, I can't believe people used to dress like that. The same way you look back at like the eighties and nineties, you see the way people dress in the seventies and shit. And it's like such a distinct thing that you're like, Oh, you, you're dressed like it's the seventies or you're dressed like the nineties. Like people have like eighties nights where people go out and wear shit that people just wore normally. They weren't, it wasn't like in the eighties. They were like, we're dressing like the eighties. It was like, we're dressing up to go out. This is what we look like. This is how we dress. And then only after looking back, do you go, Oh yeah, that was such a thing. We used to do that in the eighties. That was an eighties thing. So like you look back at the emo thing, you're like, oh, that was a two thousands thing. That was the style. It was and it was now kind of sort of eighties too. The emo thing. Yeah, it kind of was actually. Now I think about it, but now it's like I say to live all the time because she will occasionally use the eyelashes thing. She's gotten less drastic about it, um, but she will occasionally do the eyelashes thing. And I don't say anything other than I'm like, look, this is a twenties thing. When we are older, just like you look at pictures of your mom when oh, she was yeah. at a party in the 70s. Blown out hair and all yeah. that shit. Yeah. You're going to look back and you're going to go, wow, I can't believe we used to do those big fake eyelashes. Like that was such a thing. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's what that is. And I think like when you see it that way, it's like whenever I see something that I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Like even now we're starting to the point where you can start to look back at the early 2010s and see the things. Like I'll start to see memes now of like, like uh, Instagram influencer in 2010, and he's got like the V-neck with the beanie and the glasses, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, the beginning of hipsterdom. Yeah, like that was like the thing, and now we look back, and like now we make fun of people to dress like that with the beanie. Like I saw some guy at a brewery, and I was actually with Liv, and I was like, this guy looks like he's dressed up as himself for Halloween. <laughs> like he's like, I'm going to dress up like a guy who works at a brewery. And he just had all the things, the beanie cap, the glasses, the V-neck with the fucking shell necklace, the fucking. It was like, whoa, dude, do you not like, did you think when you put on your clothes today, did you not go like, dude, I am exactly what everyone thinks I am. Yeah. He looked in the mirror and was like, nailed it. Again. Nailed it. I am this guy. <laughs> like my goal was to be this guy and I am that guy. Mm-hmm. He's an NPC. Yeah. But anyway, so this girl with the fake eyelashes and I'm like, so this pizza, you know, I like white pizza, you know, um, I don't mind. So I like sauce, but I like white pizza too. I like it. I like it without the globs of uh, ricotta. Yeah, I love the ricotta, dude. Not a ricotta I'm a, guy. I am ricotta, dude. I, I specifically, the pizza I ordered didn't even have ricotta. I added it on. Damn. That's how much I love ricotta. A, dude. Ricotta is a topping. If it, yeah, I love it, dude. 
And uh, so I got this pizza called the Morio, which is like banana peppers, mushrooms, onions, oregano, white Ooh. pizza. Like it's a, it's a, a lot of people don't like that kind of pizza. I do. I love white pizza. I'm going to get that pizza. Um, but I asked, I was like, I wasn't sure if it had marinara sauce and I kind of did want marinara sauce, but I didn't carry the way. And I was like, so this is, this has sauce, right? She's like, yeah, it has sauce. Like really confidently. And I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. I'm not going to say don't put it on there, but you know. Yeah. And so then I'm sitting down. I watch the guy make it. No sauce. And so I go up and I'm like, I go up to her. I was like, did you say that pizza did have sauce or didn't? She's like, no, it does have sauce. We only have like three white pizzas. And so that's not one of them. So that has sauce. And I was like, okay, because I think I might have seen him. And she's like, no, it has sauce. I was like, okay. All right, dude. I sit down and then I see her walk back to the pizza guy and like confirm. She's like, he has sauce. right?" He's like, no, it doesn't have sauce. And he goes, did you want sauce? And she turns around and she's like, and I was like, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm laughing. And I'm thinking like. See, I do things. I do things like that. Um, like I, I you did, psyop that girl. I did. <laughs> That's I did. Funny as shit. I psyoped her because because <laughs> I think it's important for people to know when they're wrong. Yeah, and it's not because I didn't make them remake the pizza. Right. Because I didn't carry the way. Yeah, you didn't even. Yeah. It wasn't important if the pizza had sauce. It was important that she knew it didn't have sauce. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't when I got one up. I was like. Hey, can I just get a little cup of marinara? Like, whatever. And he was like, yeah. And so I go back home. I dip it in the marinara. It tastes better without the marinara anyway. I Probably, lucked out by not yeah. having pizza. It was made to not have marinara. That was the flavor profile. And But but when I saw her, like, laugh in embarrassment, I was like, good. Because these are moments that we all need to experience. Mm-hmm. Moments when you realize you don't fucking know everything. And the it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. You know that? Uh, I've heard. The Dunning-Kruger effect is that like smart or stupid people think uh what what is it there's a correlation of uh people of average iq tend to the closer you are to average iq the more accurate your estimations of your iq are basically saying that average iq is 100 it's a bell curve so 100 is the average Mm -hmm. anything below 80 is technically legally considered mentally retarded anything above 120 uh, is you're smart, and then obviously 140 is like you're a genius. Yeah, that's Mensa program. 100 is the average. Most people fall in that average range. Um, what they found was is that the further away you are from the average, the more you estimate your intelligence to be higher than it is, whether you're smarter than average or below average. So actually, people that have like below average iqs if you ask them before their iq test what do you think your iq is do you consider yourself like an above average? they'll be like yeah and they'll take it and their estimation of how smart they thought they were will be way higher than what they thought they than what they actually are hmm. versus people that are actually closer to average tend to pretty much have an idea that yeah i'm average i don't think i'm smarter than i am I, i'm just an average guy right and then people that are really smart I, th- I can't remember if they think they're smarter than they are or if it's just like they the, the smarter you are, the more you t- actually tend to underestimate your intelligence. So like the smarter you get, the more you actually think you're not as smart as you are. And what that's based off of the idea is that the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Right. Like if you started playing basketball, or I'm going to use guitar as an example. You ever play music huh? in any capacity? Okay. Yeah. So with guitar, when you first start playing guitar, the first thing you learn is like fucking little songs and shit like that. And you're like, bam, 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 Yankee Doodle or whatever. Yeah, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. 
and then you Smoke start on the water. Yeah. And then you, and, and, and so like at that point, you know, so little about guitar that you don't even know how much there is to know about guitar. So like your perception of like, once you can play that song and you can play a couple chords, you're like, I can play all the chords. I can play all the fucking like songs like that. So like I'm pretty much there. And then the more you learn, you realize like, oh my God, like actually you can do this shit. And so like the more in depth you get with anything, you every time you open up a new door, you've opened up 10 closed doors of like shit you don't know. And so people that are not particularly intelligent, they think that they know more than they know because they simply don't know how much there is to know. Mm. It's kind of like when you talk to like a super like a radical political person on any side of it whether it's a super leftist person or a super right-wing person people that have a very like black and white understanding of like the political landscape it's hard to imagine but people that like think you're a piece of shit because of the jokes you make mm-hmm. they literally see the world so black and white that they see themselves as like, yeah, this is what good people believe. And anyone who doesn't believe that must be a bad person. Yeah. Because it's very simple, right? You either believe this or you're an asshole. They don't understand that, like, actually, no, if you actually understood the arguments more, like, with immigration or something, like, they're like, well, if you don't agree with immigration, then that just means, what, you're just, like, racist? You don't, you don't like, you don't like Mexicans? And it's like, yeah, I could see how you would think I was a dick if that was the question. (laughs) Like, it's very easy, like, if your entire concept of the immigration argument is you either like Mexican people or you don't, then I could see how if I was arguing against immigration, you would go, wow, this guy's a fucking racist piece of shit. He doesn't like Mexicans. But it's like, actually, that's not the question. It has nothing to do with Mexicans. Yeah. It's like, you don't don't even understand the argument enough to understand what the actual debate is. So your debate has been whittled down and dulled down, diluted down to this, like, simple, like, question of do you like people that aren't like you or not and then at that point you're like well yeah obviously i do i'm not a dick so if that guy disagrees with me he's a dick and it's like so basically it's like you see that effect all the fucking time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i've been doing a bit about that about like just that's like the thing with like dating apps and meeting people it's like all the new people i meet none of them are like get it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like like there's there's so many nuances to yeah just being a human. Everybody just thinks it's actually actually it's all like you were saying black and white. Yeah, like the all the people that are so pro non-binary and this and that have a very binary view of yeah like what you should and shouldn't think exactly about stuff. exactly. That's like, a good that's a good way of putting it. Like bro, I you know I mean I I, I I but I personally do think very binary. Well, I do too, but like it, it look that's the way. That's the, it's the way that the human brain is evolved to think. The human brain is evolved to notice patterns. Basically, your brain is a fucking uh, external hard drive, essentially. It's got a bunch of fucking memory. It only has so much fucking shit it can process. It's a computer chip. Let's use that metaphor. You can't, there's a reason why you fall asleep every night and like you can't recall every detail of every day you've ever lived. In that moment, you could recall that detail. And even if I asked you later that night, hey, what did that fucking, how did that conversation go with that guy? And you could probably tell me like every single thing. I said this, he said that. 
But then if I asked you 10 years later, you wouldn't be able to, unless it was like a super significant conversation, right. you'd be like, yeah, I feel like I remember like he was saying that and I was just saying this. And it was like, I was saying that and he was saying that. And he's like, you couldn't tell me I said this and then he said this and then I said that. You just remember the idea of it. Yeah, you, you, remember, you probably don't even remember the guy. You, yeah, you exactly. Thank you remember. It's like that like cliche thing. Like people don't remember how... People don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. Oh, yeah. You know? And that is as as annoying as that is because it's so like fucking like the old Facebook posts, like just girl things with like a girl walking in the sand and like that in cursive over top. As annoying as that is, it's true. You remember ideas of things. You don't remember the specifics. That's actually what we were watching as you walked in, like Mm. the way we compartmentalize time. And so in reality, it's like you go back evolutionarily if you walk through the woods, and this is the first time you've ever encountered a tiger, you don't have. You're this is fucking two hundred thousand years ago. Cave people walking through the woods, and you're in a new place, and all of a sudden this fucking thing comes up. You've never seen a tiger before, but you do know that generally the pattern is that usually when there's something much bigger than me with sharp ass fucking teeth who's growling at me and stalking me. It's probably not a good thing. I probably need to get away from that thing. That's called pattern recognition. That's called recognizing a pattern. And then what happens is when that thing kills your brother and then next time you're walking through the woods and you see another thing in a different place that looks exactly like it, you don't go, well, I mean, yeah, that tiger killed my brother, but why should I judge this tiger based on... No, the people who lived were the people who went... Last time I saw that fucking thing, it killed my brother. So if I see that thing again, I'm either killing it or I'm getting the fuck out. And then those people are the ones who wound up getting to fuck and have more kids. And so we've evolved to notice patterns. Right. You know, it's not like a fucking, you know, that's the way your brain is supposed to be. So really what we're always doing is formulating algorithms. We're formulating algorithms. And that's why with this Matt Rife thing, uh, I didn't even bother looking into it because my algorithm in my brain that I've set for myself is, Whenever I see comedians mouthing off about something, it's generally retarded. Yeah. And so I'm not even going to waste my time unless this becomes something bigger or something. I thought it was like some sexual. I didn't like any. I didn't have no idea. I had no idea what it was. I was just like, whenever I see something like this, it's a waste of my time. And so I've learned that enough times that I'm not going to waste my time with it. I'm going to see it. I'm not going to fucking look into it. I'm not going to comment and get into yeah. debate. I'm not going to do any of that because. I've formulated a pattern. That's my algorithm. And so, yes, at that point, you have become binary. But you've become binary only after enough experience with the thing that your mind has simplified. Like, you couldn't... If 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 I was looking at uh, a square... Like, I went to a country, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this country always flies this cloth square with, like, this pattern on it. And then I went to another country and I was like, this pa- this country does the same thing almost, but it's a different thing. It's like, it would be impossible for me to compar- to store all the information of like every country I go to, like amazingly happens to have this thing and I have to remember the thing for every, it's like, no, they're called flags. And so now I've taken that whole thing and simplified it down to just like, yeah, it's called a flag. That's a thing. That's a thing. And now whenever I go to a country and I see the thing, I'm like, that's a thing, you know? So it's like in the same light, it's like, when you encounter situations or you encounter any new political thing, it's like even with the, the Trump shit now, it's like, dude, maybe there is something here with the indictment, but sue me for 
having existed for the past, I don't know, since he ran in 2015, uh, that generally speaking, whenever some massive thing, bombshell fucking shit comes out, it winds up being baseless and inconsequential. And so my binary system goes, dude, do I really want to waste time talking about on the podcast? Because this could be another thing yeah. that just in one week will be irrelevant because now they're already on to the next thing and trying to get him on. Yeah. Because and meanwhile, Canada's on fire. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. It's you get Trump and a hot comedian. And then meanwhile, like Canada's on fire. I think they sent like 3,500 troops to like uh, Panama or something. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of fucking crazy shit going on. Yeah. And, and again, that's all that's it's, it really all comes down to confirmation bias, because the more you the more you compartmentalize things in your mind as just like when I see this output, this when I see this output, that. And that way I don't have to waste my time thinking about every single individual thing. When I see a guy dressed like a piece of shit, I assume you're a piece of shit. It makes life easier for me. Mm-hmm. Now, if if you wind up proving to me that you're not, not that I'm going to say prove to me you're not a piece of shit, but like, I'm not going to, like, if I'm walking down the street and I see a guy dressed in a way that I'm like, oh, maybe this guy's trouble. Because in the past, whenever I encounter people that are dressed like that, they're trouble. Um, Maybe he's the nicest fucking guy in the world. Maybe. And maybe I'm wrong. But... What's the worst case scenario if I am? Mm-hmm. That guy's slightly offended that I thought he was a piece of shit. And then I go, oh, well, it wasn't my fault. You are, you do look like you. Yeah, you do look <laughs> like a piece of shit. You know, like, yeah. How many times have I been walking back from Towson bars like 30 feet behind a group of girls and I can tell that they're like, I'm like stumbling home drunk and I can tell that probably in the back of the mind that someone like, is this, what's up with this guy? Yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, I feel that, I feel that feeling yeah. I'm all the time. I'm a drunk guy walking alone. Even sober, I get Late that. at night following a group of girls, not following them, I'm just happen to be walking behind you because that's where my house is. I'm. Am I offended? If I go, excuse me, I can't believe you thought I was going to rape you. Yeah. No. You, I hope you continue to think that because chances are uh, you're better off just treating yeah. every guy walking yeah, behind you like that. one day you're going to feel that feeling and it's going to be right. Yeah, one day you're going to feel that feeling and it's going to be right. And, and so worst case scenario is I'm slightly bummed that a group of chicks thought I was a creep versus, oh, you act that guy actually was a rapist and you tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and it didn't pan out for you, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with gun, it's only only when you become so close-minded that even when you're presented with evidence to the contrary, that you still refuse to believe it. That's the issue, you know. There's nothing wrong with going, yeah, this this issue is retarded. And then when they go, actually, no, I know that's what you think, but like, actually, if you look at the details, it's and then you go, oh, okay, I yeah. can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Oh, dude. Uh, fuck. I should probably. Probably it's fucking almost eleven thirty. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Your boy, I got work more. I got you. Um, I think uh, prejudice is a good thing. I do too. <laughs> I do too. I the fucking um, I've been uh, trying to like watch like like all the stuff you were just saying. Like Patrice O'Neill had a bit about um, like not being offended when white people see him and thinks he's like because if i see four bald white guys i'm not gonna go oh yeah those are cancer patients yeah yeah, yeah. like that whole thing um but like uh like you were saying about like i I just don't know how i can connect with anybody because it's not 
they're not the majority, but it is a lot of people mm-hmm. that think that way of like black and white. If you don't think this, you're terrible and all that. And it's like I, I with comedy, I'll go up like tonight. I just went up and bombed on purpose. I did a bunch of these nuts jokes and mm-hmm. then talked about how girlfriends are monkeys and yeah. just <laughs> it did a whole bunch of shit like that because I know you know it's. I, I, I'm going to be able to say these dumbass things and look at these people and, you know, there's 15 people in the room and 10 of them are looking at me sideways. And it's like, okay, well, those five people, yeah, they're going to be the ones who get this when it's ready. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's like, you know... That's the whole thing with, uh, like, getting fame or getting anything. You just got to hope there's enough people... That is really it. I mean, I mean, it's like my, it. my dad always used to say with fucking finding a wife. He's like, look this is the, like, this is what I wanted in a wife, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, people are like, Oh man, like that's really hard to find. It's like, well, you only got to find one. Yeah. There's 3.2 billion women in the fucking world. You know, I got to find one. Mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't need a hundred million women to live up to what I want in a wife. I need one woman to do that. And it's mm-hmm. like kind of the same thing with like finding your audience. It's like, you know, you, first of all, you can't, you're never going to make everyone like you. Right. And if everyone likes you, you're doing something wrong. In fact, actually it's, it's the op. It's, it's not like, Oh, well you're never will make everyone like you. But if you, if you're like really good, then they, everyone, no, it's like, actually it's the opposite. If you're really good, you might find that actually you're almost kind of narrowing your audience a little bit Mm -hmm. because in order to make, when you're trying to appeal to have mass appeal on that level to be like a, superstar celebrity look at the actors and shit look at the fucking mainstream like they're they're not they aren't the ones that are like putting out like fucking cutting edge shit or like the actors are like saying like challenging ideas are the ones that go up there when they accept their award and they say exactly what like the shit you're supposed to say and like oh thanks sis we need to fucking save the tribes in uganda and world hunger sucks and Black people are real and whatever. It's like, okay, great. You know, it's like, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're just, you're just like being exactly, you're being the least offensive version of anything so that there's no way you could possibly turn anyone off. And it's like, okay, yeah, you can reach peak levels of fame. But in reality, it's like, you know, when you talk about like a comics comic or a musician's musician, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, when you're the comedian that comedians respect, that I feel like it's the coolest thing because it's like even with like in order in order for you to make a living doing comedy, all you'd really need is like if you could find 500 people in every fuck it. If you could find 100 people in every city. Yeah, dude, it's like it's like 100,000 people. Yeah. In this in the country of, of what? 300 some million. Mm-hmm. Like so what's the math on that? 100 100,000 out of 300 million that's 100,000 is 10% of a million so it's 1% of 100 million 0.3%. Yeah. You need every 3 one out of every 300 people you encounter. Mhm. needs to fuck with your comedy. That's like And you am- can make a living. It's the like amount of trans people in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like the second you the second you stop thinking about shit from that angle of like i want to be famous and the second you just start thinking about it like a fucking plan like dude mm-hmm. i know i'm funny i know that you know enough people think i'm funny it's just a matter of just fucking 
letting enough people know that I'm funny. Yeah, and finding the the right Jews to the right Jews, the right Jews to market you and do all that stuff. Because mm. I'm not doing that. <laughs> There's no, no chance in hell. You are the wrong Jew. Yeah, I'm not fucking making TikToks and shit. I'm I'm the wrong kind of Jew. I need a different Jew to do that stuff. <laughs> I've been oh. trying. I've been trying to find. Uh, I've been trying trying to make people that I find like people I see in my life that I know are like uh, very like headstrong and that yeah. type of thing. I'm like, dude, just be my manager. Do all the things for me that I'm not doing because you yeah. obviously know how to do that. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it just yet. I uh, I appreciate you coming through, dude. Yeah, man. I expected you to be an hour late. I worked that into my calendar. Yeah, I was. It's, uh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh, it's all good, man. Um, my spot. Truly, uh, fucking Eric. Eric couldn't take the gambling talk. Dude. Couldn't take it. He was probably like, "What the?" Eric doesn't like gambling. He doesn't. He thinks it's a scourge on modern society. <laughs> and I think that is probably true. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's definitely fucking people up. But uh, regardless, dude, you got to talk about it, man. That's yeah. what the kids are doing. Um, sweet light. Sweet, oh, sweet light. Oh yeah, I'll sweet light. light. We're making moves here. You're looking good. Uh, I mean that. I was impressed when you walked in. I was like, "Ooh, black is slimming, bro." It's whatever, dude. Your feet, look, <laughs> your feet still look fat, even with them fucking. Yo, black you should shoes. see my, you should see my big toe, dude. I got, I've been playing basketball all the time. I got it stepped on a few weeks ago. Oh no, it's fu- It looks like grimace. It's a bigger toe. It's, it is big. It's, <laughs> it's so big that my middle, like the toe next to it, is like resting on it like that <laughs> all the time it won't stop i need to go to a doctor or something it's probably nah, affected that's toes, what i'm saying toes are just toes are gonna tell yeah you know? exactly <laughs> that's what you're gonna do dude yeah let it figure one day you're out. gonna wake up and you're like oh it's back to normal and that's that's how <laughs> that's how god intended it mm-hmm. uh but yeah thanks matt brown of the matt brown experience <laughs> what's your plugs dude uh none Nothing. No plugs. I don't got you. I mean, if you fuck it, you'll find me. If I needed, if I needed my windows cleaned, who would I call? <sighs> Not me. Okay. Call, call, <laughs> call your primary call my, contractor. Yeah, call. Look on. Go on Google. I, my brother's got all the ads out. So nice, nice. Uh, well, as far as shit on this end, folks. Um, June has been quite the month. Uh, every Tuesday at Perennial. You know this. Come on. Every Tuesday. If it's not a Tuesday, I'm not there. And if I'm not there, motherfucker, it's not a Tuesday. <laughs> Perennial, 5 to 8.30 in Towson. That's June 13th this week. That's the Tuesday this week. Y'all with a calendar know what I'm talking about. The 14th is Wednesday. Walkers, Glenwood, Howard County. One of the richest counties in america and i'll be there walkers in glenwood six to nine this wednesday thursday the 15th at the luxurious fells point ampersy six to nine on the docks the weather is looking groovy uh friday the 16th the horse you came in on the band sophomore three o's remember that what's that uh friday friday the 16th june 16th we will be there from 10 to last call we're there from 10 until wonderwall 10 until a bouncer takes the beer out of your hands and throws you out of the bar that's at the horse in fell's point 
Saturday, I made a joke about this only when I posted my schedule that musicians always brag when they have private events. And it's like, why? Who cares? Yeah, no, they can't go. Yeah, it's like, you can't go. Why would I tell you? Uh, but we're playing a private event on fucking Saturday. It's going to be sweet. There's going to be food. It's catering. You can't come. <laughs> <laughs> we're going. That's You're the, too poor to be there. Yeah, that's the band as well. And of course, Sunday at the lovely Nacho Mamas in Towson. Uh, I will be there one to four. So there are six places to see your boy this week. I like those odds. If you can't figure <laughs> that out, come on. I think I might see you Friday. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. That'd be a fucking blast. Matt Brown's going to be there. Maybe you'll find the right Jew there. Yeah, calling all Jews. Calling all correct Jews. Come to the horse, Jews. Come to the horse. There might be a, a business proposition for mm, you. I'll wear a button up. <laughs> um at Jimmy Seleski across the board at Matt B Comedy. Yep. Uh, uh, and uh, of course the band at Sophomore MD. Rest in peace to Trap Podcast. You guys might pull yeah. Jesus and resurrect at some point. Potentially. Potentially. Who knows? The trap it never really dies. It just it just it just it just goes. Yeah, it gets shut down. The cops flows, come in. The, you know, it's the pendulum. Yeah. The pendulum. Uh, and of course, in case you didn't already know, at LFTS podcast across the board. Till next week, folks. Peace. <laughs>